Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Time now for the BK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. got a hip thing going he's got a wrist a hand where he got hit and he still wants to play every day and um, it just speaks to his competitive nature this is a tough dude that loves to be out there loves to help the team win and um, yesterday it it was it was grabbing pretty good so we took him out of the game uh, make sure it wouldn't get worse but um, man gotta respect the heck out of the fact that he wants to play regardless of how he feels Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. That audio courtesy of Bally Sports Midwest. That was Ollie Marmol talking about Wilson Contreras, who's been battling through a whole lot of injuries to finish out this season. He's going to be headed to the IL. Sounds like that will end his 2023 season. And Alex, if that is indeed the case, he does so with an 825 OPS. He was basically offensively exactly what the Cardinals expected him to be. And I say all of that because as I was watching MLB Network yesterday, they were going through last offseason's free agent signings. And a gentleman named Joel Sherman, who works for the New York Post, brought up, hey, eight of the top ten signings or so, if you could give them a mulligan, the team that signed that respective player, they would say we would not do that again. We would have rather not signed that player, amnesty the contract, let's start start fresh again. Here's what he had to say when he was breaking down the Wilson Contreras deal here in St. Louis. Joel Sherman talking about Wilson Contreras. So for 20 years, they won one way, which was to prioritize defense behind home plate. And then they went a completely different way a month into the season. You want another post headline? Catcher who never was thought of as great defensively concerns Cardinals defensively. Wilson Contreras. Guys, help me. Wilson Contreras had exactly the season you would expect him. This is, again, this is, Wilson Contreras had an A season compared to his history. It looked just like last year's season. He is exactly who the Cardinals should have expected him to be. But who did the Cardinals expect him to be? They, they turned on this guy, some of their pitchers early in the season, that he wasn't Yadi and Molina. Duh! I could have told you that before you wrote the first check. He's right. Wilson told you that at the press conference. Alex, when you look offensively, what he did compared to Sean Murphy, who was the other option that the Cardinals considered in the offseason via trade, they were pretty damn similar. Basically, offensively, the exact same dude. Now, difference is 
Sean Murphy is also a borderline gold glove defender behind the play. So you get a really good defender and a really good offensive player with Sean Murphy. But what you wouldn't have had, you would not have at this point, at least according to the reports of the asking price, Brendan Donovan or Lars Newtbar. Those two guys would not be a part of this roster for 2023 or beyond because you would have had to trade them to be able to acquire the services of Sean Murphy. So when you look back, Alex, almost one year ago now, did the Cardinals get it right in going after Wilson Contreras and giving him the money instead of trading the talent of Donovan and Newtbar for Sean Murphy. Absolutely. You, I mean, you just asked this to the president of the Wilson Contreras fan club. You should talk about his hater over here, Tanner Hendrickson. Wow. That's the one that should be asked this question. But, yeah, uh, when you're looking at what next year is supposed to be for the Cardinals, Brennan Donovan and Lars Newpar are pillars for that team. If, if not, we're talking about you potentially – not having two outfielders, depending on where Brendan Donovan's playing on this team, one for sure, and you're talking about two on-base guys and left-handed bats for a catcher. And look, I, I, I love what Sean Murphy has done. Sean Murphy is an incredible player. But Wilson Contreras just proved his worth. If you were to look at the first half Wilson Contreras and second half Wilson Contreras, take the name out of it, just give fans the stats, people would jump on Wilson Contreras' second half because his offense backed it up. I don't care that the dude is bad behind the plate. Frankly, yeah, you needed to improve a little bit, but you've got your backup catcher if certain pitchers can't work well with Wilson Contreras. He managed his way through the BS that he had at the beginning of the season, and it really wasn't the team throwing him under the bus. It was a couple of guys that threw him under the bus. So, yeah, you made the right call here. It would have been great to have what Sean Murphy has produced in Atlanta, but let's be frank about this. I don't know if Sean Murphy does that in St. Louis because you don't have the pitchers that Atlanta has. Whereas Wilson Contreras managed through what he did with those pitchers, he managed the pressure of coming to St. Louis, and now he is one of the hottest bats in all of baseball to end the season. Yeah, and I think you said it perfectly. You know, I think he is a – or Brendan Donovan and Lars Newpar pillars for this team in 2024. So looking at moving them and then you have Sean Murphy just in their place – He's not Lars Newport or Brendan Donovan. He's not on-base machines like those guys are. He doesn't have the versatility of a Brendan Donovan. You need those guys here in St. Louis for the 2025 season. So, yeah, they got it right with Wilson Contreras. Now, yes, I was more of a quote-unquote hater early on in the year, and that's because he's bad defensively. Contreras still that same bad defensive catch behind home plate. But if his offense isn't making up for it, that's when you notice it. Now you don't notice it as much. Why? Because he got super hot behind home plate, and he finished out the season strong. So if you're going to get this every year, and this is what the Cardinals signed, and they should have known that going into the season, then, yeah, you can get away with a, a quote-unquote bad defensive catcher behind home plate. You can improve his framing in the offseason. Like, I, I don't doubt that they can help work, work on that and make him better there. Blocking, I'm not sure there's going to be much they can do for him. But if his bat plays like this, He's that third impact bat that the Cardinals were searching for this offseason, so they got it right. Say with us, PK. MV3! 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 You're talking about Contreras, Walker, and Gorman? Wow. Wow. Did you just throw Paul right. Goldschmidt, Nolan hey, Arnott? Right. MV6! MV6! MV9! MV9! Donovan, Newbar, Gorman? MV9! MV9! No offense to win. He's not going to get there. Well, this offense can be really good again next 2004 year, boys. 2004-esque. Now, 2013-esque. Yeah. It's got the depth of what they had in 2013. I think that's what they were trying to construct this year. It just never really got to that place. They were so behind the eight ball offensively early in the season. I think they were all pressing because they knew, hey, if we don't score – 
14 runs in this game, uh, we've got no chance to win because how terrible the pitching was early on. They were pressing, the season snowballed on them, and we all know the story from there. In the second half of the season, to your point, though, T-Bone, the guy hit, in terms of Wilson Contreras, 310 with an on-base percentage above 400 and an OPS of 960. That's not just good for a catcher. That would be one of the best hitters in all of Major League Baseball. And he did that over the course of 45 games. I, I couldn't have been more impressed with the way that he finished out this season. Because just those are the offensive numbers. I think defensively he got a little better. I, I don't think he's ever going to be anything more than an average defender behind the plate. And I think that's okay if he's hitting like this. But the biggest thing that he did is it felt like he started to become himself again. He embraced what it meant to be a Cardinal. I thought it was really cool the way that he approached uh, Adam Wainwright's 200th win. I think you've seen him kind of just settle into who he is, both in terms of his personality and also in terms of who he is as a player. And it became almost a, yeah, I'm not a great defender, guys. Like, I've never been one, and I'm probably not going to be one. But I'm going to work. I'm going to put in the work that you guys are asking me to. And if that gets me closer to average, great. But you guys signed me to be a hitter, and I'm going to go out there and show you that I can still be a hitter. And if he can continue to be that for this Cardinals team, I think you are absolutely correct, Alex. I think they ended up getting it right. And I think they're going to have to make a very similar decision this offseason. And this is why I wanted to bring it up today, partly because Contreras is now almost assuredly done for the season. And also because, man, the Cardinals are going to be in a similar spot with the pitching this time around. Last year, they had to make a choice. Do we probably overpay for a 30-year-old catcher that's not very good defensively? Or do we go out there and get the guy that does everything we want him to behind the plate? But, man, it's going to cost us. Like, whether you – there's been different reports on exactly who the players were that were involved, but some combination of, like, Nupar, Donovan, Gorman seemed to be the consensus, right? Two of those three guys that were likely heading in the other direction. Do we do that? And they decided, you know what, let's just spend the money. Let's spend the money. Let's keep this offense because we think this offense has the potential to be special. And if we pull pieces out of it, could be the Jenga board that falls over as a result. I think they should do the same thing this offseason. Make the same decision that you did with Wilson Contreras, but on the pitching side of things. Go out there and spend the money. And if that means, much like Contreras, losing a draft pick as a result, so be it. It's worth it. Because this offense can carry you next year, but you need the pitching to go along with it. And the best way in my mind to go acquire it is by spending the crap out of your payroll going into this offseason. And that puts Mo and his staff on and the, the ownership group. It, it puts them in the spotlight. Don't wait this offseason. You can't sit around and wait to see if the market comes down. You're going to have to pounce. If you're addressing this as we need to get a one and two for our rotation well guess what as soon as that free agency opens you need to be talking and you need to be setting it and you need to get the pitcher because what happens is you wait for the market to come down a little bit maybe you can get Aaron Nola a couple million dollars less or maybe Yamamoto a couple million dollars less those guys sign elsewhere now you are forced to go into a trade because there's nothing else out there you can't wait anymore when Nola hits when Snell hits when Yamamoto hits whenever this opens Mo and his staff need to have their plan in place so it says, here you go, our best offer. We'd like to know as soon as possible. How would you guys feel if they ended up with, like, Aaron Nola and Imanaga as their two guys? I call that a success. I think it, I think that's a good offseason. I think they still need to bring in a third starter. Wade Miley. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Because Wade Miley's going to get, like, nothing, right? You, you well, yesterday missed. we talked about this, and we kind of went through, like, hey, what do you spend $10 million here? Do you get there? 
what if you get a $5 million for yeah, the You mispronounced in. Luis Severino. Yeah, whoever that guy is, right? The one that's going to – I think you get an old washed – like Rich Hill. Would you be in on Rich no, Hill as that third no. star? I, I'm actually kind of serious. No, because I saw how, how uh, yeah. age kind of affects the 40-year-olds yeah. this year. Not and, great uh, when you're relying on yeah. it. Yeah. I'm in on Zach Thompson, so I really don't care who that third name is. Like, bring in a third guy that can start. Cool. Fine by me. Don't give them a bunch of money. Don't do not do anything crazy there. Spend your money on the top two guys that can be in front of a guy like Miles yeah, Michaels. That's in this what rotation. you wait. That's that's what you're spending. That The third guy is the one you wait until spring training is like two weeks away and a guy still doesn't have a job. Then yeah, the musical chairs game where there's no yeah. chairs remaining. You're like, hey, when it... We brought a chair for you. Yeah. Wade Miley. My name's John Mosellock, and I have a chair for you to sit in. It's when, not a very nice chair. When a guy <laughs> it's not is at, feel good, but it's $2 million <laughs> worth of a chair. When a guy is at home sitting with his wife and family deciding if they want to go play in Japan or Korea or play in A, that's when you call that individual and say, hey, what about St. Louis? Somebody on the text line I think has my ideal offseason. Guys, sign Yamamoto, sign Sonny Gray, go get Wade Miley, and then just be done with it. That is... Do you know how thrilled I would be if they had that offseason? Yamamoto is your front-end starter. He's 25 years old. Yeah, you're going to have to pay way more than you want to for him. So be it. Go get the mo- go pay the money so you don't have to trade the assets. Sign Sonny Gray, who has been the second-best pitcher, arguably, in the American League this year. And then go get some dude that can start 15 games for you next year if you need him to by filling in for Zach Thompson or whoever ends up getting hurt. I think that would be an ideal offseason for the Cardinals. Michael Walker, somebody brings up him. Sure. Like one of those types of guys that can have gone down the vacillate. former Cardinal path. I don't want to do that. again. Sean Manaya, I've brought his name up in the past. He yeah. can start. He can be out of the bullpen like I, that fluidity. I think it would be good for the Cardinals as well. Yeah. And that's the route that I would go to. And I, I think to the point of. You know, they're going to have to choose between sign these starters or go trade some offensive pieces away. It's just going to come down to is ownership willing to do what's necessary to kind of build this thing around. I said this yesterday, you know, I said, oh, I would go sign a third, a third starter that's going to be like $10 million. And he said, well, you've run out of money. And I said, well, then ownership's going to have to buck up a little bit more because it almost needs to be a blank check off season for John Mosellock. Otherwise, he's going to have to do exactly that. He's going to have to probably go both routes. If there is a, and I know there's going to be a budget, but if it's like, hey, 50 mil, no more, no less. You just got to stick in that range. Mo may have to do both. He may have to sign a starting pitcher, and he may have to trade for a starting pitcher and then pull from that Jenga piece and just hope it doesn't topple over. The lesson learned last year, if they go this route, one thing that I do find really interesting about the Wilson Contreras thing, the lesson learned last year was it's okay to go completely opposite of what you've known because you had a fully defense-first catcher for 15 years, right, with Yadier Molina. And they said, you know what, we've got a real opportunity here kind of change the look of our lineup. And Wilson Contreras is the guy that allows us to do that. The lesson, if you're going to pull that from the catching situation over to the rotation, the lesson to be learned would be we had no swing and miss. We're going to completely overcorrect here. There's one guy on the market that actually does fit into that criteria, and it would be Blake Snell. I don't know that they'll do it. I frankly wouldn't do it. But if there is one lesson from last year that could be applied this offseason – it would be that the guy to go target is actually Blake Snell. I'll be interested to see if that's something that they uh, go through in their head as well. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we'll give you our weekend look ahead in the NFL, the upset pick that we're going with going into this weekend. And if you could only sit in front of your TV on Sunday and have one game on the screen, 
What are you paying attention to? Cardinals Padres. We'll get into that coming up in 15 minutes. But next, (laughs) Alex is having a fever dream out here at Centene Community Ice Center. The fourth line, T-Bone, it actually might get more playing time this year than what we've seen in the past. We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. You've got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. Hey, we're broadcasting live from the E&B Granite Studios out at the Centene Community Ice Center where the Blues continue with training camp ahead of the 2023 NHL season. And Alex, I know you are excited about what we're watching out there because the Blues are on the ice and you've been giving me updates about mm. whole lot of players that are expected to be on this year's fourth line or at least that are competing for this year's fourth line. One of those players is Nick Ritchie, who came in on a PTO. You know, I've been calling for this guy for three years now. He got uh, put on waivers by the Boston Bruins in like 2021. And I said, Alex, this is a guy that we need to talk about. And then, unfortunately, we didn't get to him during the show because that was the same day that Brandon Saad ended up signing here in St. Louis. So our audience doesn't know. Somebody say the better version of Nick Ritchie. I have long been a Nick Ritchie fan. Craig Berube sure sounds like he's a Nick Ritchie fan as well. Here's what he told Bally Sports Midwest yesterday. Like, he's a big guy. He's played in the NHL. He's played, you know, that role in the fourth line, third line maybe. He's put some pucks in the net. You know, he's had, you know, a couple good years scoring some goals. He's a big body that has good hands around the net. I like his size, obviously. And, as you know, again, he's got experience. Um, You know, he's got to be a big body. He's got to use his big body. You know, get on the forward check, control things down low in the offensive zone, get to the net offensively, you know, just be a heavy guy. You know, make it hard in the other team, and then just be responsible defensively. What you just heard Craig Berube say is what he has been calling for for the last couple of years. Somebody to be a big body and go to the front of the net and park himself there. I said it yesterday. Tanner and I were watching the opening of training camp, and off of a rush drill, Nick Ritchie skates up the ice, a lackadaisical shot on net, which hit the net, by the way. That's a point to take into consideration. And then my dude just turns around and plants himself right in front of the eyes of Malcolm Subban. And it's desperation for this Blues team to get big bodies. You need to create space in front of the net. It's what Pat Maroon was so good at. It's what David Backus was so good at. Frankly, it's how Keith Kachuk made that Hall of Fame career. You don't have it, and Nick Ritchie is going to provide that. Now, the question is going to be, does Nick Ritchie out-compete the 7-15 forwards that Doug Armstrong talked about yesterday? And that's the part that remains to be seen. I think Nick Ritchie already has an advantage over all of these players because when you go to the list of guys like Mackenzie McEachran or Nikita Alexandrov or Nathan Walker, those guys aren't power forwards. Those guys play rush. Those guys take shots. Nick Ritchie is the only power forward in that group. So he's got an upper hand, but you have to showcase it. I I compare this really to what James Neal was that year that they brought him in on a PTO. James Neal had no chance of making that team. James Neal in the first two preseason games scored three goals. James Neal made the team that season. Now, it didn't last long, but he played the power forward style. So Nick Ritchie's going to do that. You have a luxury of depth right now on the fourth line. If Nick Ritchie becomes an extra forward to play and compete with Sonny and Blay and Neighbors and Torupchenko and then a couple of guys in the minors, Zach Dean made a nice play, Matt DeFranks just tweeted out. We're talking about a line 
that is going to earn the responsibility from Craig Berube to play late in games. We're talking about a line that is going to be used as much as they used to use the line in 2019. I think that what you're watching right now with what the Blues are creating with their fourth line is the reverse of the identity from a year ago. One of the things that this team did really poorly was creating opportunities in front of the net, Alex. I've got the numbers to back this up because you know I got into my spreadsheets. Of course you do. Typing up a bunch of stuff and trying to find out, all right, what, what went wrong for this team last year? Alex, I've got some numbers for you. Okay. The Blues last year in terms of rebound shots for. So they create a rebound opportunity, and boom, we're going to whack that bad boy right back into the net, right? Whack it. Last in the NHL. They had 131 of them. Oh, well, that's not good. No bueno. For context, number one in the league last year was Carolina. We all agree, pretty good hockey team, right? During the regular season, at least. Didn't make it very far in the playoffs, did they? 294. Hot damn. <laughs> the Blues had 131 rebound shots. Carolina had 294. The Blues, again, for context, allowed 215. So they allowed 85 more rebound shots than they created last year. You know who was number one in the NHL in the postseason last year in terms of rebound shots created? Uh, That would be the golden boy, Matthew Kachuk. Nope, that would be our friend, Sonny Oscar Sundquist. I was going to say, if you say uh, Nick Ritchie, I'm going to laugh at you because he wasn't in the playoffs last year. Nope, nope, nope. I think what they are creating right now is a fourth line that is going to head to the front of the net and park themselves there and just say, you know what, we're good right here. And if you have guys like Nick Ritchie, Sammy Blay, uh, Oscar Sundquist, Torupchenko, Jake Neighbors potentially, all filtering through that fourth line, Dude, you can play that line 12 or 13 minutes a night, and you feel good about it. Like, it's not one of those things where you're like, oh, ooh, third period, we got about 10 minutes to go. Can we send these boys out there? No, you're like, hey, third period, 10 minutes to go, get out there. Let's see what you guys can do. It can create a little bit of an identity, and it does get back to what you were talking about with 2019. It's what they've been missing ever since, and it's time that they finally are able to recreate it. I always go back to that year, and I think it was two, three years ago, where Dakota Joshua was that centerman on that fourth line. And Craig Berube, I mean, that line would play four or five minutes a night, and Craig Berube would be asked afterwards why he wouldn't use them. And I think Clem Costin was on it as well, and he said, because they, they haven't earned the trust from the coaching staff yet in certain situations. I just they're they're unpredictable. Yep. You don't have that unpredictability this season, with or without Nick Ritchie. Nick Ritchie's a veteran. Nick Ritchie, what I love about him is he shoots the puck. Like my guy, he'll get four, five, six shots on goal if he's gonna play eight minutes a night, because when he goes out there, he knows what his duties are. But if he's in the lineup, if he's not in the lineup, we're talking about six guys that could be Torpchenko, Sonny, Blay, Neighbors, Nick Ritchie, McEachern, Walker, Alexandrov. Like, all of these guys have earned the responsibility in the NHL and the trust from Craig Berube to not put their team in a bad spot. And that's what you need on a fourth line, especially when you're running your top line. If you're down by a goal, you can't keep running that first and second line out there so much because they get gassed. Or if you're in the penalty box a lot, you've got to have four lines to be able to preserve the energy from your top guys so you can use them late. That's what this line is going to provide. And, you know, we talked, I can't remember, I think it was Wednesday when we were out here, the Blues trying to 
get back to what they were in 2021. I think one thing they can get back to in 2019 with this team, because we said you can't just build the team like 2019. That was kind of a one-off for the St. Louis Blues. Is that that had an identity line, and I think Craig Bruby really wants to get back to having an identity line. And I think because of what you said, you know what you're going to get from this fourth line. You know that what Nick Ritchie's going to do. You can trust Oscar Sunquist. You can trust a Jake Neighbors if he's going to be on that fourth line. That is one thing that I think that they are trying to pull back from that 2019 team of. We got to have a line that we know is going to go out there, throw the body around, park themselves in front of the net, and we can trust them to play rather than, like you said a couple of years ago, that fourth line was getting four minutes, or hell, they weren't even playing three forwards on the fourth line. Yeah. They would carry an extra defenseman because they didn't trust that fourth line enough. And that's I think that's point. the one thing they're trying to pull back from that 2019 team is okay, we can't build like that 2019 team was, but we can build an identity line that they used a lot in that playoff that's run. A, that's a good point. You know how many times last year we talked about 11 7 and acted like 11 7 was the magic sauce for this team? to win hockey games, you can't do that anymore. You can't. The best case scenario for this Blues team is some a couple of defensemen step up and make the others um, replaceable in terms of you can move them around so that you can carry 14 forwards. Because if you go 13-8 again with your roster, that's going to hurt you because there's going to be injuries. So, Alex, I'm going to ask you this question. Jesper Fast, pretty good player. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Stastny, a helpful fourth liner last year I with would, Carolina. Yeah, I would say so. Those guys were among the top ten last year in terms of uh, rebound shots, expected goals. Yeah, and that is a big reason why Carolina was at the top of this list that I was just talking about in terms of rebound shots. Oscar Sundquist was right up there with those players. I, I can't. I don't think we can overstate the importance of Oscar Sundquist being a part of this team. Now, this is a lot to place on a guy that has not been healthy very much over the last few seasons since being traded here from St. Louis. But if this guy can help you in 60 games, if he can successfully play in 60 games this year, and you get Nick Ritchie, who's a big body to put in front of the net, and Torupchenko, instead of being more... I feel like last year he was a, a guy that almost won off of the rush, strangely enough. like He would take that big body, go wide, and oh, then just so drive straight at the net. There's value in that. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to take that away from his game. But at five on five, if you're able to play a little more of that cycle game with this fourth line, I do think he is somebody that can succeed by just placing himself in front of the net. I think that is exactly the kind of thing that this team has been missing. It has been way too long since we've seen it from them. And it takes a little bit of pressure in some of those more physical games away from that top line. It takes a little bit of pressure away from a guy like Kevin Hayes as well on that third line. So when you're able to put them out there 12, 13 minutes a night, it, it's like having a number five starter that can be an innings eater for you. And now suddenly it alleviates a lot of that. We can all kind of take a deep breath. And frankly, I, I think it's going to benefit this team to have a fourth line that is punishing to play against also. And all three of those guys will do that. And add in Sammy Blay if he's playing on that, Jake Neighbors. Guys that will finish their checks because the one thing that this team didn't have last year was a group of players that could punish the other side that made it difficult to make it through 60 minutes. And that's what I hope that this team is going to take on as an identity for this upcoming season. They've got a lot of options. We'll see what it ends up looking like, especially as we go through the preseason, what the line combinations kind of look like. But they've got five guys that are really potentially going to be a part of that fourth line mix. One of the guys that we are not expecting. One of the players that we think will make this roster is going to either be sent down to the AHL or be moved on either via waivers or 
sent somewhere else via trade. We'll get more into that conversation coming up later on this afternoon. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. We've got Grant Francis doing a great job with us back in the studio. We are broadcasting live from the E&B Granite Studios at the Centene Community Ice Center, hoping to be joined by a Blues player later on this afternoon as well. Coming up next, our NFL weekend look ahead. What's the matchup you're most looking forward to watching this weekend and if you had to pick one upset special going into the weekend, who you got? We'll tell you next year on 101 ESPN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. You've got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. We are broadcasting live at the E&B Granite Studios out of the Centene Community Ice Center, and we're calling an audible because anytime that you've got Kevin Hayes available to you here in the studio, you're happy to be joined by the newest Blues forward coming over this offseason in the trade from Philadelphia. Kevin, we appreciate it, man. How you doing today? Doing well. I uh, just got done with uh, day two. Uh, tough loss for Team White. <laughs> put it behind us. I heard you had a breakaway out there, though, so that that that's a good start for training camp, right? Yeah, it's a good start for training camp. The first two days are always fun. A lot yeah. of energy, a lot of emotion. Everyone's so excited to be back. Doug Armstrong uh, mentioned yesterday, Kevin, that uh, the first couple of days for the young guys that are trying to make the, an impression, this is like game seven of the Stanley Cup for them, and for some of you guys, it, it's day one and two of training camp. <laughs> what is that like as you're on the ice? No, it's fun. Uh, every every training camp is fun. It's hard, but fun. Uh, you see the young kids, it brings you back to your first training camp, how nervous you were, and you didn't know where you stood. You didn't know what the team wanted from you, but going into year 10 or 11, it's... Uh, it's uh, pretty standard now. Uh, it's a lot of fun um, on a new team, so it's it is my first training camp in St. Louis. <laughs> sure. So I'm, I'm looking at it that way. Do you do you remember those drives into the, those training camps when you were a rookie of thinking like, oh, geez, I got to go in here and sit in a room? And I mean, you were on a some some really established teams in the first couple of years with the New York Rangers. Oh yeah, I remember my first camp. I didn't even park in the in the parking lot because I didn't want to take really? anyone's spot. <laughs> so I, I walked in the front door uh, carrying your hockey bag, bag with you. I walked in the front door and they were like, I think you're in the wrong entrance. And I'm like, just send me to the locker room. <laughs> uh, so, but no, it's it's. Uh, it's fun to kind of to see the young kids uh, be so excited. And the older guys, I know, like everyone's been talking about, the season didn't go as well as they wanted to last year, and they seem revamped and ready to go. And a lot of guys got here early, so it's a good mix right now. Did you have a veteran that kind of took you under his wing whenever you first got into the league out of New York? Yeah, I was super lucky. I had like guys like Rick Nash, Mark Stahl, Marty St. Louis, and then Keith Yandler got traded uh, the deadline my first year. So uh, I learned how to be a pro pretty quickly. Well, and talking about being a pro, the first thing, Kevin, when, when we found out, because we were at the draft when we found out that, that the Blues acquired you, I'll never forget, it was a text that I had with JR, and I was just like, hey, give me some nuggets on Kevin Hayes. He goes, well, he's related to Keith Kachuk. And I'm like, man, that's great when the first thing somebody says about a hockey player that they acquire is, oh, he's related to Keith Kachuk. You talk about winning a city. That's how. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Big Walt has been uh, 
he's been treating me like gold. Uh, <laughs> first couple of days here, I spent pretty much every hour in St. Louis with the Kachuk brothers, Chantel yeah. and Keith, and they showed me the ropes, took me golfing, good restaurants, places to go. Uh, so he's going to be uh, leaned on a lot this year. <laughs> What's the adjustment been like for you? I know anytime you move to a new city, it can be different, especially when you're going from a coast to a Midwest city yeah. like St. Louis. What's that been like both for you and for the family to move out here? Yeah, no, it's it's definitely different. I've uh, lived in a major city pretty much my whole life, Boston, New York, uh, Philadelphia, quick stay in Winnipeg. But, um, yeah, it's it's uh, suburban life's a little bit slower for sure. <laughs> uh, we like it so far. We just got married, so it's nice to kind of early nights, early to bed. Uh, so it's uh, it's it's been easy. Uh, my family's excited to come out, see the Kachucks, so it'll be a great year. You played against St. Louis, obviously, in that playoff series when you were with Winnipeg. You've played against them plenty of times. What did you know about not just the team but the city itself from your other places that you played? Yeah, honestly, I didn't know much because I've pretty much been in the East my whole career. Yeah. So we only come here once a year. Uh, it's usually on a back-to-back. Um, usually middle of winter, too, yeah, where exactly, you can't do anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, stay in the hotel. Um but no, it's it's. Uh, I kind of like the speed here, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot slower, a lot, lot more time on your hands, um, a lot more uh, relaxing. So less traffic, <laughs> less traffic, yeah. less, less people yelling. Yeah, exactly. less <laughs> Highway traffic. life is a little different yeah. here than uh, Philadelphia yeah. or New York, yeah. right? A lot less car beeps. Yeah. <laughs> so we got Kevin Hayes with us here on 101 ESPN New Blues Forward. So let's talk a little bit about the hockey side of things. Uh, you're getting adjusted to everything. First couple of days of training camp. What's been your early impression of Craig Berube, the head coach? Uh, he is very honest, uh, tough. You know exactly where you stand, what, exactly what he wants, what system he wants to play. Uh, and it seems like if you don't buy into what he's preaching, you're not going to play. So uh, I think that's good in the coach, to be honest. Um, uh, Torch was the same way last year. So uh, it's nice for the, the players to know where they stand and what they need to do in order to succeed. And I think he does a great job of that. How beneficial is that? throughout a grueling season. You mentioned Torts was like that. Um, you had Elaine Vigneault with New York as well. He seems to be one yeah. of those blunt clo- coaches through a long season. How important is that for a roster to have a coach like that? Yeah, it's huge for a team. You always want to know where you stand. Uh, you want to be consistent, right? I know when I entered the league, Keith Kachuk told me the biggest piece of advice he's ever told me was to be consistent. Let, let your teammates, let your coaches, let your management know what they're going to get every day. And I try to do that. We're talking to Kevin Hayes for just another couple of minutes here. Uh, Kevin, when you look at where the game is now compared to where it was, for example, when Keith Kachuk was playing, it's changed quite a lot. Do you prefer this style of game? Do you wish that you could go back a little bit to what it was, you know, in the mid-90s where there was some more physicality? How do you feel like – what is your impression of where the game is today? Uh, I think the game's at a great spot. Uh, Some of the kids are too fast, but (laughs) but, uh, but no, I think – I think I blend well with, with this game, kind of a bigger body. Uh, it's not as many penalties as there used to be, yeah. uh, grappling and holding. But, um, but no, it's, it's fun to, to see these young kids, see how fast they are, see how in shape they are. And if you're not in shape come training camp, you're going to get exposed pretty quickly. So it's kind of nice. How, how long does it take to get some chemistry with line mates? We, I mean, coming to a new team, that's one thing. But also learning your teammates, learning the guys that you're going to be aligned with. How yeah. long does that take? I think – a few of the hardest things coming to a new team is, is blending in in the locker room and building chemistry with players. Uh, some of these guys have been playing together for a long time. As a new guy, you just try to come in, have a lot of conversation. If a play doesn't go right, you just go back to the bench and 
say, hey, what do you think happened there? And that's how you build chemistry. Be a good guy and try to learn your, try to learn, uh, your line mates. Speaking of that size, Kevin, I am curious because on the defensive side of the game now, you're seeing smaller, faster defensemen than what it used to be where it was six foot eight guys standing in front of the net, cross-checking you away. Somebody who's made a career of being in front of the net, has that changed at all for your style of know, knowing that they're a little bit smaller, but they're faster on the defensive side. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you definitely have a little bit of an advantage in front of the net. Um, but some of these young, uh, smaller defensemen are so fast. So <laughs> you got to be, uh, you got to be ready to get back. Your first three steps, you got to. Your first three steps are a lot more important now than they were. Yeah. Final, final one. I wanted to ask BK uh, hockey wise. Knowing some of the guys on this team, you've mentioned uh, before we went on the air, you played with Tory Krug growing up, you've played with Justin Falk. How impactful is that for a player like you who's been in the league long enough, but you come in already established relationships with some of those leaders? Yeah, that's huge. Like I said, it's it's hard going to a new team. It's never easy. Um, but when you know guys on a personal level, it makes it a lot easier. They tell the guys kind of who I am and what I'm like. Uh, I think of myself as a personable person, so I, I fit into a lot of locker rooms, but um, it makes your my life a lot easier when yeah. you enter a locker room and you can have a real conversation right away from day one. So, mm-hmm. who's the best chirper so far uh, out there on the ice? Other that than you've you. noticed, uh, the best chirper will probably go to Bertuzzo. Okay, <laughs> uh, uh, is Bucci giving anything to you yet? Now that you're uh, back reunited with him? No, I'm excited to be back with Bucci though. It's fun to see uh, how he was as a rookie to to what he is now. How his games evolved into kind of purely offense when he, I played with him in New York, and now he's a really good 200-foot player that's on the PK. It's it's kind of amazing. Did you know see. that personality was there when you first played with him? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He came in, he was great. Uh, his <laughs> English is a lot better now. Yeah. It's a lot easier. What, does it surprise you at all how good he's become defensively? I mean, he's one of the better two-way forwards now in the league, and we look at – I've said on the air, the way that he approaches the penalty kill, it's almost like he sees it as a power play opportunity yeah, for, for him. Yeah, for sure. It's, when you're that big of an offensive guy – coming into the league and then all of a sudden you buy into the D zone. You don't lose your offensive instinct. So I think it definitely uh, helps him. He's Kevin Hayes going to have a great season this year for the St. Louis blues. We're certainly excited to be able to watch you on a night in night out basis. Kevin, thanks so much for the time, man. Thanks guys. It was a blast. Appreciate it. As always, it's Kevin Hayes joining us from day two out at blues training camp. We're broadcasting live at the E and B granite studios out at the Centene community ice center coming up next. We'll get to ask us anything. Three, one, four, three, nine, 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 six, four, six here on one one. ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe it's PK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. Nine six four six is the Air Comfort Service text line for Ask Us Anything. Jamie Rivers making a quick uh, sideswipe here on the show. <laughs> Let's get to the text line. 314-399-9646. We're hoping to be joined, by the way, by Robert Bortuzzo coming up here in just a little bit. This is always a good question to get. From the 636, BK, did you succeed at anything in life before you got into talk radio? Wow. That was brutal before Ask Us Anything. Um. <laughs> Fair question. <laughs> I mean, did you? No, not, not, not really. <laughs> well, 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 hold on. You you succeeded in relationship. I mean, you're happily married to a beautiful woman, and now you get a beautiful baby boy. You know what? When you say that, that, that I'd is I'd call true. that a win because sometimes it's not that easy. I'm still searching for that, you know? Very true. Uh, to be honest, though, like, I didn't really do anything prior to uh, 
to talk radio. Like, this is the only job I've ever really had. Any career I've ever had. I was a server head. I guess I could technically say that I was successful in uh, that because I've, I made perfectly fine money. I've heard you weren't very good at that, though. <laughs> Not a great customer service. They, I, people I've talked to that, that went to your restaurant said you used to have a tone. Probably had an, oh, I would totally That's believe true. that. Really? That Medium well is what you want your steak? Okay. Uh. The, I a lot of what I do at restaurants. We talked the other day about how I don't send food back. A lot of that is informed by my time as a server. Uh, what I did not enjoy, that is what I do not do at this point in time. All right, let's get to a question from the three one four on last night's game, guys. I'm convinced Brock Purdy is one of the top twelve quarterbacks in the NFL, and the only way we, or only reason we don't treat him as such is because he was a seventh round draft pick. What do you think about Brock Purdy? Where does he rank for you? Uh, I don't know if I'd have him there yet, but I think he will get there. I, 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 I put more respect on Kyle Shanahan for what Brock Purdy's doing than just Brock Purdy. I saw this. Somebody said this the other day. I'm curious your thoughts on this since you mentioned it, Alex. How many quarterbacks would you take to start your team over Kyle Shanahan? So, like, you have a choice. You can either start your team with a quarterback or you get Kyle Shanahan. How far down that quarterback list do you get before you say, you know what, I'd rather have Kyle Shanahan than any other quarterback in the league? It, is it like six, five? Well, Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Herbert, Jackson. Is that it? Probably. Because after I get to that, I'm probably starting to be like, because at that point, I feel like I can get the 25th best quarterback in the NFL. Oh, yeah. Like, wh Where does Jimmy rank? Like 20th, 24th, something like that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially and he this took year. him to a Super Bowl. <laughs> I, I, I just I look at this and say, if you put any of the three top quarterbacks that were drafted, Young, Stroud, Richardson, with that 49ers team, we're talking about him being the top five quarterback in the NFL. Like, it's just because of the offense that they've put together. And it's for how great Kyle Shanahan truly is. So I, I, I like Brock Purdy, but I think a lot of this is because of who he plays for. From the 636, guys, do you see the Blues as a potential 90-point team this season? Yeah, I, 92 to 95 is kind of my range. NHL Network, Stu Grimson, and there was one other analyst that were on yesterday talking about it, and they said the same thing. 90 to 95 points is what you see from the Blues this year, and that's where I'm at. Potentially, yes. I, I don't think they're a 90-point team right now. Um, I think they're short of that. I think they're about 85. Um, but I, I can see the potential. Like, if that's that's what how the question was framed, I can see where they can. If Ron ends up having a really good year, if you end up having Captain playing really well, and you end up with the potential 920 goal scores that we've talked about, eight of them potentially, then yeah, I can see how they get to 90 points. But I'm a little of a skepticist, so I say they're just a little bit short of that. Uh, I am going to say that that is exactly where they end up. Somewhere in that range feels about right to me. From the 314, guys, if you could watch one college football game that is not a local team this week and so no Mizzou no Illinois who are you watching Colorado Oregon I, I, I'm just all on board with Colorado right now now that it's also a 21 point spread oh I'm so in on that one because Colorado is going to keep that close I are you sure yeah no Travis Hunter don't care I like Oregon minus the points well, well welcome to you losing one of your bets pick that in the is that number three for you uh, no, but it, it is something that I considered going into the weekend. I, I think we're overestimating Colorado at this point in time. I, I think they're a really good team. I do not think that they're going to be able to I think you're going to gonna eat those close. words on Monday. Yeah. I, another game for me, I, and like I don't want to just take the one that's primetime, Ohio State, Notre Dame. That game's going to be great. Um, Oregon State, Washington State's going to be a lot of fun. That, that game is going to be, 
you've got DJ Uyungle playing really well for Oregon State. They run the ball really well. And Washington State's been kind of a surprise out of the Pac-12. So I'm kind of I'm kind of excited to see what that game looks like. Let's just be honest. You pick a Pac-12 game, you're going to end up with a great say, football game. What does it say that all of us are excited about the Pac-12 this weekend? Love Oregon State in that one, by the way. Um, all right, let's go All right, Washington, Washington State. State, ladies and WSU gentlemen. WSU plus three. <laughs> Ohio State at Notre Dame. And you guys didn't mention it. That is how great of a college football season we are entering right now. Like, think about that. If I had told you before the year, hey, there's going to be two games that you find to be more as intriguing or more intriguing than Ohio State versus Notre Dame, two top 10 teams in week three of the college football season. Dude, it is such a great college football season that we're All right, entering. man. I, Pump your brakes. I read an article today. I think it's today. the best that we've seen in 15 years. I think, I think you're right. I, I read an article today that was saying there's a chance by before we get to October – you could have both Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson looking, if not looking on the outside, if not eliminated from the college football playoff by the end of this weekend. Yeah, I, I think it's very possible, and it's because there is more parity than there has been in a really long time, and that's what I like about it. I enjoy when we're not totally sure who's going to end up in the college football playoff because there's a bunch of teams that are really good. Dominant teams are good for college football, I think when you have too long of a period of time, though, with one team that is dominating, it becomes something that feels too repetitive. Like in the NBA, I think it became a little repetitive for some people when it was Golden State versus Cleveland slash Miami every single season, right? Eventually, you want to see something that feels a little more new. You want to see something that is a little fresh. Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia have dominated the sport for a decade. It's time for something a little bit new. And this year, we're getting something new. And that's what I think is so enjoyable about what we're watching right now in the college side of things. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Guys, if you could go anywhere and you could get an all-inclusive vacation, beach vacation, where would you want to go? Only Illinois. There's no beach there. <laughs> I can promise you that. Fly away with the squirrels. Just fly away with the squirrels. It could be a white squirrel for a weekend. Uh, Katie and I have always wanted to go to Bora Bora. Oh, hell yeah. We're never going to be able to afford to go, but we've Tahiti. always wanted to go there. And then what's the, um, oh my God, why, what's it? It's like, uh, Cape, Cape, uh, uh, I, I, Turks and Caicos. That's what it is. I was like, where's this? Like, Capes or something? Not Cape Girardo. I've been there. No, Turks and Caicos is another one that I've heard is incredible. That's a good one. I would want to go to an all, I don't know, like a specific beach, but I would love to go to Costa Rica and do it somewhere. Oh, sure. I, I've always wanted to go to Costa Rica because ever since I watched a video on it in Spanish. I didn't pick up anything in Spanish class outside Let of, me guess, I would PBS? love to go to Costa Rica. Uh, it might have been on PBS. <laughs> so it's a different kind of beach. It's like a Mediterranean area, but I would love to go to Greece someday. Um, yeah. My buddy went there for his honeymoon a few, few months ago. Some of the pictures that he came back with, absolutely incredible, stunning. And it's it's a totally different vibe. I've been to Mexico. Um, I've been to Jamaica, been to the Dominican, um, been to Peru. So I've been kind of in the central South America area. Only areas. we were money bags like I you, know, right? man. Unbelievable. Um, I prioritize that traveling. That's something Monday? that I love. Yeah, Is that what yeah. you're doing this weekend? You're uh, going I'm to like going... Mexico casually? No, it's I'm going to Disney World. Oh. 
free zoo here. In he's Saint going. Louis. To, he's taking off the day so he can go to the zoo. Yeah, it's it's my wife's hey, uh, final day of maternity leave. So I would too. Um, I yeah. did it actually when I was off uh, last week or two weeks yeah. ago. Something went to the zoo. Be awkward though when I just go by myself. Coming up in fifteen minutes or Pay so. Somebody to go with you. We will give you our football pick'em of the week. No! You can fade all of our picks, and you will be highly successful. We'll get into Whoa. that coming up in about 15 minutes He's or so. Wrong. But coming up next, the Brewers are not a particularly high bar for the Cardinals to clear this offseason, and I don't think that's the team they should be targeting. We'll talk about why coming up next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Watching this Cardinals series against the Milwaukee Brewers, I've thought one thing to myself, Alex. This Brewers team ain't that good. Now I did so while they, you know, beat the heck out of the Cardinals in the last three games of the series. Yeah, but a lot of teams have done that this year. Man, you look at that lineup. You look at what they have done so far this year. They're a bottom five offense in May baseball, and they have earned that offensive ranking. You look at some of the guys that are hitting in the top five of their order. It's it's guys they picked up off of waivers or guys that they traded for at the deadline. I mean, how many people in our audience do you think, Alex, are familiar with Sal Frelick? Because that was the guy that led off yesterday for the Milwaukee Brewers. On the season, he has a 750 OPS. He frelicked all over the Cardinals pitching. Am I right? That was terrible. Like frolicked? Frelicked. Yeah, basically the same thing. The reason why I bring this up is because as we go into the offseason, there's going to be a question of what do the Cardinals need to do? What is the target? How high do they need to get in order to be a playoff team again in 2024? I don't think the, the, the Brewers are that target. I think the Brewers are every bit as likely to take a step back next year as they are to take a step forward. Their manager is entering. This is the final year of his contract. It's entirely possible he decides to either step away for a year and try other opportunities, maybe get into the front office somewhere, or he might be the next manager of the Mets, man. His old GM in Milwaukee is now the president of baseball operations there. Maybe he just decides, hey, I'm going to go up there. That's going to be my newest uh, opportunity. I don't know what they're going to do with their rotation. They might trade one of their front two-line starters. I think they are every bit as likely to take a step back as they are to take a step forward. And what that means for St. Louis, do not use that as your bar. Don't use the Brewers as the team that you're trying to catch up with. Use the teams that are at the top of the National League East. Use the Dodgers. That is what you're trying to accomplish. Still take the lesson from last year and apply that to 2024. And I'm not talking about the lesson of 23. I'm talking about the lesson of 22, which is avoid the wild card round, man. Get into the top two of the National League, avoid the wild card round entirely, and get yourself a bye, essentially, into the NLDS, so that way you get a longer series where your roster can then take shape over the course of a five-game NLDS. That is what the lesson should be from last year. Now go into next season and apply it. I already feel like the Cardinals have a better offense than all of the teams in the NL Central. And I know that might sound weird because their team is terrible, but offensively next year, I view them as the best in the NL Central. And if you have the success I'm expecting from them in the in the offseason, you're going to have the best pitching too. Now, if you don't do the right things in the offseason, you're probably going to be right back to square one. But 
everything is going to be, I would imagine, if the Cardinals have that A-plus offseason they're wanting, people are going to be saying, oh, yeah, Cardinals win the NL Central, like they said coming into this season. The Cardinals have never, John Moselec has never used the division to say, oh, well, we have to do this in the offseason because this team's doing that. Mostly because nobody in that division does anything, specifically the Brewers and the Reds. That might change this year. I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating the Reds to be aggressive because of the young core that they've got. I'm also anticipating the Brewers to be aggressive now that they're you changing. Are? Just because I think they're changing things in terms of the front office. And I think the mindset might shift a little bit. In Milwaukee? Yeah. In terms of what, what, what do you, when you say be aggressive, you think they'll... I think they're going to be aggressive. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I, they're going to be aggressive in terms of tearing it down and trying okay. to be aggressive to restart it faster, if okay. that makes sense. I, I thought you meant they're going to try to be aggressive no. to like kick this thing into high gear, go get Pete Alonzo, go sign a big time, so, like no. get Sonny Gray in there. Like, I think they're going to okay. be aggressive to try and do what Cincinnati just did and Pittsburgh just did, but do it faster. That's what I, it, and so that gives you that opportunity. I don't think it's going to sway the Cardinals' moves. I think the Cardinals already know what has to be done because they know they can be superior in that division. Yeah, and, and I think you're right. They cannot build like it is the – NL Central that they're trying to surpass. Yes, you are behind everybody right now, but I agree with you. I think their offense is the best in the NL Central. I think if you make the right moves on the pitching staff, you have the best pitching staff in the National League Central. And I agree. I think Milwaukee's going to do kind of a, I don't even know what you'd call it, almost adding and subtracting at the same time. They're going to try to remain competitive while trying to sell high on some of their pieces. Cubs are probably going to be aggressive this offseason. Reds, I wouldn't count on them being aggressive. Their ownership's cheap as hell. Um, oh. And Pittsburgh just sucks. Well, so, that's... But I, BK's right. They cannot build it just say, oh, hey, let's get past the Milwaukee Brewers. No, that's like building for 90 wins. The lessons that should be learned, it shouldn't be like after each year you learn one lesson. A lesson should be added after each season. And the lesson from two years ago was you've got to avoid the wild card round because anything can happen in a best of three series. And the lesson this year was you've got to get swing and miss. Don't just go, oh, we've got to add swing and miss and we've got to just build a 91 team. No, you need to be building to try and win 95 games, and that's why you've got to revamp the rotation while also revamping the bullpen too. I think my biggest fear for the Cardinals this offseason is they go, ah, we'll figure out the bullpen. We're just going to – we'll figure it out. we got numbers there. We'll we'll just let those guys pitch, and if anything, we'll add at the deadline. They do that. My fear would be, okay, you built another NL Central 91 team or 85-1 team that you have to add at the deadline to get to 90 wins just to win the division when they should be trying to build and go, we've got to find a way to get ahead of the Dodgers or try and catch up to the Atlanta Braves because we need to avoid that wild card series. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. This one comes from the 314. Guys, it figures BK would think that the Cardinals are going to do something different than what they've done for the past 20 years. Now they'll be aggressive. Okay. Then the other teams, according to BK, won't be aggressive or at least try to be better than the team that they have right now and be more competitive than they have been in the past. None of this makes any sense. (laughs) Every team is in a different period of their life cycle. And right now with the Brewers, they're in a really interesting spot, in my opinion. They've got a team that is going more towards the young side of things. They're calling up some of their prospects. You think back to the beginning of the year, some of the success that they were having was because of some of their young guys that were called up. Uh, The guy that I just mentioned, Sal Frelick, he's a former top 100 prospect. They have high hopes for him in the future. And I think that's the way that they're going to be trending. I think they are going to go much younger going into next season. And when you go young like that, we have certainly seen this firsthand here in St. Louis, and we're seeing it in Cincinnati. The highs are really high and the lows are really low. 
And those valleys, they take a while to get out of because they have not gone through the experiences of a Paul Goldschmidt, a Nolan Arenado, a Wilson Contreras. And the nice thing about those guys is when they do go into those dry spells, and we've seen it, they go through some slumps, they're able to get out of it a little bit quicker. So that is one of the many reasons why I believe that the Brewers going into this offseason, I don't think they're tearing it down to the studs. I don't think this is going to be a team that wins 70 games next year. I think they're going to be competitive 85 to 90 again. I do think there's a real chance that they trade one of their front two starters, though, and they probably do so to kind of reset the clock on what their team can be. I do think there's a real chance that their manager, who I believe to be one of the best in the game, if not the best in Major League Baseball, ends up taking a job elsewhere or taking the year off next season. And if all of these things happen, yeah, I think they're going to take a little bit of a step back heading into 2024. I think the Cubs are about to be super aggressive. I think they might be in the Shohei Otani bidding war. Agreed. I think they're a team that is probably going to try to keep Cody Bellinger this offseason. I think they're absolutely going to be in the Pete Alonso sweepstakes. Like, all of these things, I think it's in play for the Chicago Cubs because they're ready to start winning again. So, yeah, you are in a competition with the Cubs, but I think that is more your competition than Milwaukee. And the reason why I believe the Cardinals are going to do something that they haven't done in the last 20 years is because we've never seen them do this. We've never seen them in the last 20 years be embarrassed. That was the word that yesterday, Alex, when we talked to Doug Armstrong, he said we were embarrassed by what happened in the 2022 season. I think that the same is true for the Cardinals. I think the ownership is embarrassed. I think John Mozeliak is embarrassed. And I think that is going to trickle down into the decision-making of what do we got to do to get this thing back on track? So for all of those reasons and so many others, that's why I view this offseason the way that I do. Is it weird that I don't feel that the – Cardinals brass feel embarrassed and I only say this because I I think the Cardinals in terms of the DeWitts and John Mozella are set in their ways and know that this is a process and they view this as well we're still doing the right things in terms of growing and developing our young talent look at Tink Hens, look at Graceffo and McGreevy look at all of the offensive weapons that we've brought up I think they're frustrated at how the season went but I also don't think it's to the point of embarrassment that says we've got to change things significantly. I, so I kind of understand where you're coming from because I think they don't view it as the Blues do where the Blues are saying publicly, this is a retool. We were at a spot where we were kind of at the end of our competitive window, and the best thing for us was to kind of retool this thing on the fly. The Cardinals are viewing this more as that's a, this is a one-off. This is a one-off. Now, with that being said, I do think they will change their ways and be more aggressive this season by adding in a ton of starting pitching to help to avoid this. So is it embarrassment? I think it, I, I believe it is. I, I think they can't look at the product and go, oh, my gosh, look at what we built. We've, I mean, just look at the attendance for games right now. There's nobody at the ballpark, and that, that is something that screams to build DeWitt and ownership group. But I think they will still be aggressive, but I do think they do view it a little bit different from the Blues, where the Blues said this is a retool. This is going to take maybe three years before we're actually super competitive. Maybe we back our way into the playoffs. I think for the Cardinals, the goal is, hey, we want to build a contending team next year, and this was just a one-off for us. I do think the Cardinals are embarrassed. And if they're not, then shame on them, frankly. This has been an embarrassing season for them, dude. The year that they go, let Adam Wainwright walk out the door, and listen, like, Wainwright was not good this year, and I don't think Wainwright gets to 200 if they were not a bad team because I think he would have been pulled out of the rotation. He would have had to have been because he, he wasn't performing. Um, if they look at this and they say, ah, what could we have done, really? What was there to do? Then shame on them, and everybody should be fired. Is it bad that I do feel like they kind of view that? Why, though? Why do you feel that because way? Because the free agents weren't in the mindset of the Cardinals like, oh, yeah, this is worth it in terms of the pitchers. 
and they weren't they obviously weren't going to make a trade to get a catcher with those guys. You think they're going to make a trade to get a pitcher? I, I think looking back, they regret not being more in on Pablo Lopez. I think that's. But if you weren't willing to move Newbar and Donovan for a premier Gold Glove catcher, why would you move it for a pitcher that you could have moved one of those guys that they out. felt like their pitching staff was good? I don't know that they did. See, this is where I think that I, I kind of diverge a little bit from Cardinals, some Cardinals fans who disagree with this. And I, I think both perspectives are fair, by the way. Um, I kind of aligned a little bit with the Cardinals going into the season. I thought they had enough offensively and enough depth pitching-wise to be able to make it through the first half of the season. I mean, I did I, too. I thought their pitching was going to be better than what people were giving them credit for. I, I didn't know that for sure, but I felt like they had options enough where you needed to find out. You needed to go into the season and see, okay, what does it look like with Jack Flaherty this year? We, we got to get answers there. And if Jack Flaherty is the guy that he used to be when he's healthy now, uh, I think you're fine. But that was a huge risk of we don't know if Jack Flaherty is actually going to be good or not, but we got to find out. And the way that you do that is by just letting him start every fifth day. And if you brought in a new starter, one of these guys that they were hoping to find out answers on would not have been able to be in their rotation. And I, I think this offseason, the lesson to be learned from that is, fine, so be it. Like, this is where Tanner, I think, has a really good point on the Thompson thing, and we just diverge again, is I, I want to find out what Thompson can be. I think he is a pretty good fifth starter. And I, I think to your point on this, T-Bone, you're saying, yeah, but we thought the same thing about Jack Flaherty this year, and it didn't go well, and they didn't have any answer to be able to say, be the uh, fail-safe. You can't do that again next year. So I, I think they have learned from it. I, I think they might not be as fully invested as what some fans would be say where, hey, go get Nola and Snell and Yamamoto. I don't think they're going to do something crazy like that, but I do think they're ready to to splash into this offseason market and go get one of those premier free agent starting pitchers. Um, I, I think that's something that they're going to – they know they have to do it in order to fix this rotation. Coming up next, we're getting to our football pick em. T-Bone is currently in the lead. He's got seven points after the first two weeks with his picks. Alex and I are both tied. We've got two weeks left in this first month of our pick em challenge. We'll get into it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's PK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. If you're watching on YouTube, oh, yeah, YouTube. by the way, we are back on YouTube. 101 ESPN STL is where you can go to find us. We YouTube has decided that we are not actually impersonating ourselves, and therefore we are allowed back on the platform. So shout out to YouTube. Wait till, wait till they find out that you're impersonating a good sports talk host. There's no, there's no doubt by anybody in our audience yeah, that that is happening. Yeah, we're a high five on that one. All right, let's get to our football pick for the upcoming week. If you're new to this, the way that this goes, each of us picks three different games. It is a confidence pool, scale of one to three, three being the most, one, of course, being the lowest level of confidence. And at the end of the weekend, we will add all those up. And by the end of the month, we are in week three of this month. we got two more weeks to go. Whoever has the lowest number of points will end up getting punished. Our first punishment is wearing a pregnancy simulator where there are 12 different settings. And at the end of each segment over the course of one day, whoever loses will have to have that from one to 12 level of um, contractions. Yep. Basically, we're having show. contractions for three straight hours, boys. It'll be fantastic. So looking forward to that. Looking, looking forward to T-Bone. 
uh, wearing the afterwards. contraction machine. All right, Alex, let's start with you. Oh, your really? first pick, your level one pick is what? This All right, week? level one, I don't like this spread, but I know this team's going to win. What? <laughs> no. Well, hold on well, a minute. I, I, Let me explain here. Maybe this, you don't understand. You should feel confident. Yeah, well, I pick. don't. This is why it's the number one. It's my least confident of the three, but I'm still confident. It's you the, could go any NFL or college football game over the course of the weekend. And you, can I just freaking explain it? Can you stop interrupting me? Go ahead. Twelve and a half points is a lot, but Arizona sucks, and Dallas is going to make Joshua Dobbs regret playing football. I think Dallas is going to easily cover that, and if they get me wrong, that's where my concern at. 12 and a half is a lot, but let's be real. Arizona had, what was it, a 28-point lead against the Giants and blew it in one half? So m- number one on this in terms of confidence, Dallas minus 12 and a half. I actually like that pick. 12 and a half, Sorry. anything above 10 makes me nervous when I pick that spread, especially when it's a favorite on the road. Yeah. No, it should make you nervous, but I like the pick. That defense going up against Josh Dobbs doesn't seem like it's going to be a good combination no. for Arizona. All right, my first pick, my level one pick for the week, is actually going to be the New England Patriots. I like the Patriots in this spot a whole lot, guys. The Patriots defense and Bill Belichick going up against Zach Wilson and the Jets offense and I'm only laying two and a half. They could win by three. They can win a 23-20 game on the road in New York, and I can go ahead and take that points. <laughs> yeah. If this was three and a half, I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. At two and a half, I love the Patriots on the road at New York minus the two and a half points. I, I like that one. That was one that I kind of went back and forth on, but I just don't trust either team enough. There were three games I went back and forth on for my number one pick. I thought about the Steelers in Las Vegas. I don't trust Kenny Pickett. I also thought about that Pick'em game in Minnesota, but I don't trust either team Minnesota or the Chargers. <laughs> so I settled on because the news just came out about 20 minutes ago. I'm going to go with the Ravens minus eight versus the Colts. Anthony Richardson has officially been ruled out. I don't even know who their backup is. I think it's Gardner Minshew. It's Thor, yes. man. Yeah, that that screams turnovers. I, I think Baltimore's going to have an easy easy time covering that spread. I like the Ravens minus eight. Wasn't going to take that until Richardson just got ruled out about twenty minutes ago. Well, speaking of somebody ruled out and swaying my decision. Um, oh wait, never mind. This is my number three. Bad transition by me. I can't okay. do number three yet. Number, number two, two on this list uh, is I'm going to pick Brandon Staley's team. Oh. I, I, I thought about this and chose. I, I chose not to do yeah. so. <laughs> I just said I wasn't doing it's it. It's plus one and a half, which is why I'm 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 leaning towards it. I know both teams need a win, but if you're the Chargers, you need it more than anybody else. And I'm expecting Mike Williams and Keenan Allen to have a big game. Do we know if Eckler's back in He's or not? He's not expected to play. He's not this expected. One. So you're going to have what is it? Joshua Kelly as the backup in this one. I, it's a one-and-a-half-point spread, and I'm going to go with the team that's the underdog here, and I think the Chargers can do I this I think one. Joey Bosa is listed as questionable as well. He's Oh, yeah, did not practice yesterday, so I, I wouldn't expect Joey Bosa necessarily to play either. Um, I, I think the Chargers are the better team. I, I like the pick. They were a part of my – I had five games that I was looking at. They were one of the five. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. My two-point game instead, though, is going to the college side of things. I mentioned this earlier, guys. Oregon State has a tremendous running game. And they've got your boy, DJ Uyunglele. Ooh, I think Oregon State is a significantly better team than Washington State. I think this line should be about six, six and a half, and instead it's only three. Give me Oregon State minus the three points. I'm going to the college football side of things for my number two pick this weekend. Yeah, I don't trust Uyunglele enough yet to where I was willing to take that game because I did look at that game also. I'm going to the college slate, too, for number two. I believe this team is winning this game outright. 
Ohio State is overrated. Give me the Notre Dame Fighting Irish plus three against Ohio State. They are at home, and I am shocked that they are not favored against Ohio State. I think Ohio State, they don't have a quarterback. I know they've got great weapons, but they don't have the quarterback that Notre Dame does not Hartman. I like the Notre Dame Fighting Irish plus three. Like the other side of that one. I actually right. like that. That's uh, a win. Like That's two points, baby. All right, going back to my transition that I didn't get to use, but it was perfect off of T-Bone's number one pick. My number three, speaking of somebody being ruled out and changing my decision, mm-hmm. I'm taking Seattle minus five and a half. The Red Rocket is is uh, playing for Carolina. I couldn't even tell you the last time he started as a quarterback. I know it was with Chicago, but it's been a while. Last year. I thought it was two years Saints. ago. Saints oh, was it? Year. Oh, well, we all know how that went for them. See, that's how bad it's been. I think Seattle's going to be easily with this one. I know um, Metcalf was a questionable, but I think he practiced yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think Seattle easily handles that minus five and a half. I like that game, and then I saw that it's supposed to rain. And as I learned with the Cincinnati Bengals in week one, it rains, anything can happen, so it scared me away from it. I, yeah. did, like, I did like that pick at all. Yeah, but if it rains, that means they're going to run the ball, and that means Kenneth Walker is going to get the ball as much as possible. And I fear for the opposition when Kenneth Walker rushes. Can we acknowledge what just take, took place? I don't think that dude knew where he was. I think he thought he was going into a bathroom. So we're broadcasting live at the EMB Granite Studios out of the Centene Community Ice Center. And the way that this is, this studio works, we're kind of like at the end of the hall as people are walking towards where the Blues are practicing. Now, Blues practice is over at this point. There is really nothing more going on down here at the Centene Community Ice Center. And a gentleman just walked over, opened the door as if he knew exactly where he was going. Oh, he knew what he was looked doing. Looked in, and we all kind of looked at him like, uh, <laughs> what, what do you think you're doing in here, my friend? Uh, so that is why, if you're watching on YouTube, we all just looked like we had seen a ghost. All right. My number three pick for this week. I don't know how he didn't see where what he was walking into. Those glasses are like magnifying glasses. Can somebody please explain to me? Why the Browns are a three and a half point home favorite this week against the Tennessee Titans? Ford, baby. I think that the Titans are a better football team right now. I like their defense every bit as much as I like the Browns defense. I think they have the better quarterback in this game. They certainly have the better running back in this game. The Browns have done nothing to impress me so far this year offensively. Deshaun Watson has looked every bit as bad as he did a year ago. Not only do I think that the Tennessee Titans cover this three-and-a-half-point spread in Cleveland, I think the Titans win outright. I've got the Titans plus the three-and-a-half at Cleveland. It is easily my single most confident pick going into this weekend. Tennessee scares me, but being plus three-and-a-half, I I like that pick. Tennessee just scares the hell out of me. Last week, they almost lost two. And that feels like a game where it could just be kind of fight till the very end run the football a ton, and it ends up being a field goal that wins it. And in that case, he's He's safe at plus three and a half. Um, The one I'm most confident in this week, I'm going back to the college football ranks. I'm going Texas minus 14 and a half at Baylor. Baylor was able to cover against Utah, but they were playing their backup quarterback in that game. Baylor's not a good football team, and I really like Texas. Quinn Ewers, they're going to be ready to go. They kind of got off to that slow start against Wyoming last week. I think they're going to come out. They're going to be throwing punches early on, and I think they're going to cover the 14-and-a-half easily. All right, T-Bone sticks with what he knows. He sticks with two college football picks going into the weekend. His second and third uh, selections, he's got Notre Dame plus the three. He's got Texas minus the 14. He also has one NFL game. He's going with the Ravens minus the eight points. 
Alex is taking a big favorite with the Cowboys as a minus 12 and a half point favorite. He's got the Chargers plus one and a half, and he has the Seahawks as a five and a half point favorite as well. I'm going with three games that are expected to be roughly within a field goal. I've got the Patriots minus two and a half against the Jets. I've got Oregon State minus the three against Washington State. And I think that the Titans will not only cover the three and a half point spread in Cleveland, I think they flat out win that game against the Cleveland Browns. Boys, how do you feel going into this week with your selections? This isn't good because I feel confident with my picks. Last week I didn't and I got five points out of it or uh, three points out of it. Now I should have been five. Thanks, Sean McVay. What's the one that screws you? If you end up losing this week, what's the one where you're like, ah, I should have known better? Probably the fact that I put Chargers at two. <laughs> I probably should have did Cowboys at two, Chargers at th- at one, but I went with my gut on that one. I like the smaller spread. T-Bone? I, I think the one that could come back to bite me is the Colts. I, I could see where the Ravens, they don't have much of a idea of what the offense is going to look like with Gardner Minshew because it's, it's a totally different offense. With Richardson, you can run the football. You can have him drop back to throw. Minshew's not going to be running a quarterback design. Maybe that catches the Ravens a little bit by surprise, and maybe they only win by a touchdown instead of eight. So I think that could be the one that could really hurt me. Yeah, I, I think you should have gone uh, Ohio State over Notre Dame. I think you're underestimating the fact that Ohio State has the best wide receiver that I've seen in college football. And I, I think you should decade. take more of unlike, football advice. Unlike if you have a great running back who the quarterback can hand the football to, that scares me. This quarterback can't get the ball to the damn wide receiver, so I'm not that worried. Yeah, my, my concern is that I'm underestimating what Washington State is so far. That That's the game that I am probably most worried about. They've really... They had a really nice win against Wisconsin. I'm also not sure how good Wisconsin is. Other than that, they've played Colorado State and Northern Colorado. It's not as if this is a schedule that's been particularly daunting for the Cougars thus far. Meanwhile, I've been really impressed. Every time that I've seen an Oregon State uh, opportunity, they they look good. Neither of these teams has played very much in terms of the quality opponents. I think Oregon State is a better team, though. I like Oregon State a lot, but that is the one that uh, if I end up going awry this week, I think it's my college football pick. Win. You go awry this week. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kylie. By the way, do you want to get a little bit of news to pass along here? Oh, Joey Bosa's playing now. The Missouri Tigers. <laughs> oh, Our yeah. guy, Dennis Gates, just keeps doing it, man. Anor Boating is a four-star recruit out of Arkansas. He's been rumored to be an, a, a Missouri lean over the last few months, Alex, and it is made official. He has committed to the Tigers. He's in next year's recruiting class uh, for the Missouri basketball team. Dude, Dennis Gates is putting together one of the best recruiting classes that we have ever seen for Mizzou basketball. I just read that it's the third or fourth best recruit that Mizzou's ever had agree. Um, but I also read that they now have the number one recruiting class in the country. Is that true? I mean, it sounds right. I, I mean, suck They're, it, T-Bone. The recruits that they have committed, according to rivals at least, ranked 23rd nationally, 54th nationally, 116th nationally, and 85th nationally. So they have four recruits that have oh, already committed to Missouri work. basketball that are in the top 120 in the country. Uh, this is unprecedented for, for Mizzou basketball I thus far. Freaking so pumped for Mizzou basketball yeah, this year. Number two recruiting class in the country behind wow. only North Carolina thus far. <laughs> Suck it, T-Bone. Hey, we're we're a team that likes to win in the transfer portal rather than recruit. Mostly uh, how's that going yeah. right now? Mostly because Brad Underwood learned his lesson. Missouri Did you definitely watch doesn't win in the transfer portal. Did you they watch Missouri Hoops last year? Ma- they lost to Princeton. That's Princeton. What did Illinois do? <laughs> we played a great loss, okay? At least we can he- keep our head held high. No, I don't think okay. you can. We didn't lose to some yeah. nerds at an Ivy League school. Whoa. 
Uh, yeah, pr- spot on, actually. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Dennis Gates yeah. is the best coach in the country. This is yeah. a freaking Den- Dennis Gates is modern-day Coach K. I hope that our show is still together the day that Dennis Gates leaves and signs with somebody Dennis else. Gates is going to sign a lifetime contract. No. You see that contract that uh, Coach Cal signed at Kentucky? Man, that's going to look yeah. like nothing compared coach to what Coach Cal's Mizzou's been one out of Kentucky. No. He's going to want out? Yeah, Coach Cal- He can't do it anymore in Kentucky. Kentucky would like him to leave. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> At this point, they would love to pay him to get all the way up out of there. Uh, by the way, Missouri has a uh, top 50 recruit on campus this weekend as well. Suck it, T-Bone! <laughs> fighting a line I won't be doing much fighting this year. I hope they Does bragging rights even bragging rights if you go to it? Because you're going to lose. I'm, I'm going to start writing down every shot that you take at my Illini basketball program so I can mesh them all together for the highlights of the Illini yeah. win this you year. You don't even rights. believe this. Yes. Go ahead. No, I think they could show up and beat at least Mizzou. I think if there's one game they would get excited Mizzou. about, they would beat Mizzou. At least Mizzou. Try and at least win one conference All, all this game. talent's going to want the ball in their hands. It's not going to gel all together. It's going to be a disaster. Dennis Gates. Dennis Gates brings people together. Sure. Missouri's going to be better this year than they were last year. Yeah, Mizzou okay. can't say this. Or Illinois can't say the same thing. I'm just saying, man. I, I think that Missouri is going to be a better basketball hey, team this year tell than them, they BK. were a year ago. Tell BK, also goes, BK always tells me, too, like, Mizzou football's winning 10 this year, and I go, man, they might win five, and then they go six and six. Like, I, when, he's, when, he's when just too that? overhyped about any Missouri program. I think you said the he other day. He told me the Mizzou baseball coach was a great hire. We'll see how he pans out. I didn't say it was a great hire. I think it was the smart hire. I don't know how he's going to do it. Great it's interview. Impo- it's an impossible job. Well, how come we didn't ask him that when we had him on? It was a great we, interview. I literally did. You can oh. check it out on our <laughs> podcast page, 101 <laughs> That's Tanner Hendrickson. He's a hater. He's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. You've got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, the Blues have added some serious personnel this offseason. Can it impact the special teams that were abysmal a year ago? Alex has the answer next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. <laughs> on their special teams from a year ago. They made some additions in the offseason that might be able to help them do exactly that. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Alex, you look at what Kevin Hayes did last year. Six goals, ten assists on the power play. If you look at the time on ice, he was roughly the equivalent of uh, what Braden Shin did here in St. Louis in terms of the, the time that he was on the ice for power power play. A guy that I don't think we're talking enough about on the power play, and I'm going to become the biggest Nick Ritchie fan you've ever seen in wow. your entire Welcome life. Welcome to being insufferable if you're about to say what I think you're about to say. Nick Ritchie had four goals and seven assists on the power play a year ago. Yeah, because he was playing for Arizona, who has no power play specialist. He had the same time on ice on the power play for uh, his teams, plural, including <laughs> Calgary. He played 16 <laughs> games in Calgary. As Vladimir Tarasenko did last season. So he got some opportunities there. Combined? <laughs> That is 10 goals and 17 assists from those two players that are going to be added into your power play this year. And they're not alone. It's also Oscar Sundquist and what he can potentially bring to your penalty kill as well. Alex, this was one of the biggest issues for the Blues last season. They had to improve it. It's going to come with internal and external improvements. But do you think that those guys are going to be significant contributors either on the PP or the PK? I do. Let's start with the power play. I I think the power play is already going to be more successful now that Vladimir Tarasenko is gone. And I know that sounds crazy to say. You've been saying this for years, though. But Tarasenko Tarasenko is a goal scorer. And what does Tarasenko want? The puck. 
And I know that you've got goal scorers on this team, like Jordan Cairo that want the puck. But Tarasenko was a guy that wanted the puck in one specific position that just didn't work for the team. And that was on that far side to get the one-time shot. But Vladdy didn't like the one-time shot. Now, it just seems like a more cohesive unit of five guys that are going to be ready to put together an offensive surge. When you talk about, and I'm just predicting what a number one power play unit's going to look like, Shen, Booch, Thomas, Kairou, and Tori Krug. That's five guys. Verona. Verona might be on your second unit right now, but I can understand what? the Verona sentiment as the number one guy. Thank you. It just depends on where you're going to move these guys around. But you're talking about cohesion of certain guys that understand the premise that have played together. It's not like you got five new dudes that are going to be playing together. Second line is going to be a Kevin Hayes, a Kapanen potentially, a Verona, a Neighbors, a Nick Ritchie. You're going to have Sod Shen. Sod Shen. No, Shen's on the number one unit. Stop okay. trying to put Veron on the number one unit. Shen's on the number one unit. But I, I like Veron. Why are you throwing the couch? You didn't mention Booch. No, Booch was on the number one unit. Do you listen when Do you I have speak? Ten guys on the number one unit. Yeah, Booch, Thomas, Kyrou, Shen, Krug. We're going six on four. Well, the you whole could time pull the goalie if you want to. Yeah. Six on four, smart to go with that one. You're going to have two units to use. Because numbers tell you to do that. And you got guys who can score. That's the benefit of the power play. So I don't think they're going to be where they were two years ago, where they were top five. But I do think you're going to be top ten power play. Penalty kill is where I see significant changes, and a lot of this is going to have to do with Marco Scandella being available. You didn't have him last year. You went from being the fifth-best penalty kill to being the bottom five penalty kill in the NHL. And I'm not saying it's all on Marco Scandella, but Marco Scandella is a premier penalty killer for your team. He's going to be getting premier time. Bortuzzo and Tucker are going to be getting premier time. And then we're talking Falk, Pareko, and Letty. You've got more options on the penalty kill than last year when we were trying to pretend that Callie Rosen makes sense on a penalty kill. And, and I'll, I'm going to go back to the power play here for just a second. Uh, I'm not sure that the power play changes based on anything that they brought in this offseason in terms of Hayes, if Richie's going to go park himself in front of the net. Um, it's more so on do they have that one-time shot because they didn't have that last year. They, with Perron being gone, and it was one of my questions going into the year, will the power play take a step back? And it did significantly, and it wasn't because they don't have talent on that top unit. They do. It's because they didn't have a one-time shot, and that's why I hope that Vron is on that top unit because you saw at times last year he's got an incredible shot, and he can do the one-timer. Did Kyrou work on a one-timer this offseason to where maybe he becomes that guy that can put up a ton of points on the power play because of that? That's the whole thing for me on the power play. The power play will not take any step forward if there is not a one-time shot that is a massive threat against them. I'll, I'll tell you the benefit of Verona being on that number one power play unit. He shoots left, and... All of the guys that I mentioned, although Boots shoots left also, you want to have a guy who can shoot right and left with their offhand on both sides so that the goaltender is going post to post, not knowing where it's going to go. Last year, you had way too many guys who shot right-handed on a power play, and it was pass, 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 pass. Now we're talking if Verona gets it or Boots gets it, whoever has that one-timer, one-time threat over here, one-time threat over here. You've got Braden Shen in the middle, and Thomas is distributing. So... We mentioned Nick Ritchie's name a few different times, and somebody on the text line makes a fair point. Guys, Nick Ritchie's family doesn't even talk about him as much as you well, do. Yes, they do. Probably fair, honestly. No, I think um, they're right. No, that's my family. I think he's got a real chance to not only make this team but be a significant contributor for this team. However, when you look at the decisions that this team's going to have to make, and we're really talking about that 23rd man, right, the, the last spot on the roster, it, they, they have some difficult choices there. They want to get a guy like um, Sammy Blay some opportunities. He's on the third line right now because of how well he finished last season and how well he played so far or in the in the summer as well. 
So Blay is one of these guys that's under consideration. Torpchenko is under consideration. Neighbors is under consideration. Sonny is under consideration. Alexandrov, Nick Ritchie. You start looking at, okay, how do the numbers work out? You're only going to keep 13 forwards, most likely. Alex, when you think about who's going to be the final few spots, so the fourth line plus that guy that is going to be up in the press box occasionally, who do you think ends up being the favorites for those four spots on your roster right now? So the way that I break this down in terms of roster is you're talking about 23 guys, two goaltenders, and then 21 position players. Uh, what they had last year was they carried eight defensemen and 13 forwards right. because you wanted more forwards. I personally view this as seven defensemen and 14 forwards, mostly because I'd like that versatility on the offensive side. I think you distinguish who the top seven defensive players are and roll with those guys and have some of the minors that can come up and down. And some of this is just waiver wire purposes of if you believe guys make it through. So you're saying Callie Rosen, see ya. I, I would say either Callie Rosen, Tyler Tucker, one of those two, see ya. You go down to the minors and you be a top player. I, and I view this as Scott Perunovich. If Tori Krug is healthy, Perunovich is starting in the minors. And my seven defensemen are Letty Pareko, Krug, Falk, Scandella, Bortuzzo, and Tucker. That's my seven defensemen. And then the forward side, I personally view this as you've got your 12 forwards, whoever wins that fourth-line role. Right now, I would imagine neighbors Sonny Torpchenko in front. That leaves two forwards. Nick Ritchie, I believe, is going to be one of them because he's a role player. You've got to carry another centerman because if you lose Sonny, nobody's playing the fourth-line center role for you. You don't have another centerman. Ritchie can't do it. Torpchenko can't do it. Neighbors, Blay, these guys aren't centermen. The other thing is you're going to need to rest Sonny throughout the year. Absolutely. Like you're not just, running him through the wall in the early portion of the season. Because I'm not so worried about the injury. Like, if it's a long-term injury, you're just calling up Alexandrov. He's going to be your fourth-line center, and you figure it out. Or maybe you call up Dean, depending on who's performing better at that point in time. The, the injury situation is fine. It's the night-to-night managing his stress. Yeah. Because there's the going to be back-to-backs where you're going to not want to have Sonny in the lineup for both of those games. You put him out there for one, and then the second one, okay, well, if you've got Torpchenko, Richie, and then Blay slash Neighbors as that other fourth-line player, none of those guys are centers. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't really platoon that spot in the back-to-backs if that's the way you go and you have the eight defensemen on your roster. So I do think, much like when the Cardinals have to make a decision of do we go 14-12 and 12 or do we go 13-13, and 13, you're going to see something like that in terms of what the forward and defenseman situation is going into this season. And it could mean that they end up losing out on a guy like Callie Rosen as a result. I, I, I'm not sure on this. Yeah, he's waivers eligible. So he would probably end up getting picked up by another team. Are Which, you okay with that? It might be the reason you put Tyler Tucker down in the minors again because Tyler Tucker doesn't have to go through waivers. And I know that sucks to say because everybody's excited about Tucker, but ask yourself this. How do eight defensemen get into the lineup? They don't. You're not carrying 11 forwards and seven defensemen anymore in starting lineups. And Tucker plays like Bortuzzo. And if an injury pops up, okay, well then, yeah, Tucker's going to get in. But I'm not going to carry a young defenseman that I want to be an NHL player to sit in the press box a majority of the nights. And Bortuzzo's playing if he's healthy because he's a great penalty killer for yep. me. So uh, this, is, this is when the waivers versus the non-waivers. This is that discussion. Do I take the chance of losing Callie Rosen? Because you will lose Callie Rosen. A team's going to pounce on what he did last year because he's got offense. To me, I would keep a Callie Rosen because he's a role player and a really good seventh defenseman and let Perunovic and Tucker be top defensemen in Springfield when injuries pop up or if they dominate and then you bring them up and you tell somebody they're sitting in. That's where I go to the forward side. To me, if Richie's making this team, which I truly believe he will, 
it's Alexandrov or Walker as that last forward. And I, I say go Walker. I would go Walker because they love him. He he plays but he's not a center. He played center last year. He I won fifty four percent of the faceoffs and had ninety five of them. Like Booch didn't do that. No, Booch was like thirty five percent. Yeah, so I mean, like you can pick your like they'll probably lean towards Alex. I wouldn't Trump. do it with Dean. That that's the one guy I definitely wouldn't no. make as your fourteenth forward because now you're you're. It's the conversation that we had all year with the Cardinals where it's like, hey, you're not going to put Jordan Walker as your fourth outfielder. Well, and it's it doesn't what, make any and sense. And it's what Army said about progress with these young players. Dean, they view as a top six, top nine centerman. You're not going to put him in a fourth line or a bench role. You're going to let him go to Springfield and be that guy. Here's the difference, once again, with waivers. Alexandrov doesn't need waivers. Walker does. Do you want to take the chance of losing one of those guys? So I would lean more towards they keep Walker because Walker can play wing. Walker can play center if Sonny needs a night off. So – We do have a question on the text line that I think we should probably address because I I think sometimes people hear the idea of a a one-way contract and they think to themselves, this means that guy is guaranteed to be in the NHL. That's not what that means. And and we should clear this up for for anybody that's listening right now. A two-way contract basically means that that athlete's salary is dependent upon whether or not they're in the AHL or the NHL. It changes. You don't get your NHL salary in the AHL if you're on a two-way deal. You'll go down to the AHL's salary system. If you get a one-way contract from the Blues, basically what that means is that whatever that number is, so for Scott Perunovich, I think it's like $800,000 basically. If he's in the NHL, he's making $800,000. If he is sent to the AHL, He is an $800,000 AHL player that the Blues are paying his salary for him to go down there to be an AHL player. It's basically as if the Blues had sent um, Vladimir Tarasenko down to the AHL last year. They obviously wouldn't have done that, but they could have technically, and he would have made the $7 million for them as an AHL player. You see this occasionally. It's pretty rare, though. That is what the two-way versus the one-way distinction is. The waivers are something completely different. That is dependent upon age, and when you enter the league, it gets a bit confusing. It confuses the hell out of me, (laughs) frankly. Um, But the two-way versus one-way is just how much are you making if you're sent down. Yeah, That that is all it means. Certain games played dictates waivers. Whether you're two-way or one-way, two-way, if I'm not mistaken, I I believe you can avoid the waivers no matter what. You can move up and down. No, it's just based upon your age. So it's based upon age and games played. played. The the two-way versus the one-way does not matter when it comes to whether or not those guys are going to be sent down. That's just the money that they make if they're up in the NHL versus down in the AA. So, and this is, again, the conversation. If you're going defense, Perunovic, you don't have to worry about the waivers. Tucker, you don't have to worry about waivers. Rosen, you're going to have to put them through waivers. Who do you lean towards there? And then on the forward side, like these guys that we're talking about in the competition, Mackenzie McEachern, he's going to have to go through waivers. Alexandrov does not. Walker, I'm not sure what his numbers are at in terms of games played, how that matches to waivers, but my understanding is he would have to go through waivers. And those are guys that the Blues would sit, the front office brass sits in their office and says, do we want to take the risk of losing this guy over letting this player go to the minors and develop still. And I think that's the case of how they're going to form this roster. With Alex and T-Bone, I'm BK. Coming up next, we're hitting the junk drawer here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The junk drawer with BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Fenton Bar and Grill. Best trashed wings in Missouri. Dine in, carry out, seven days a week.
Bone on BK. You've got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. Alex, tonight you and I, T-Bone's ditching us, but you and I are going to Blues and Brews. Oh, baby. Down at Anheuser-Busch Brewery. We're looking forward to seeing any of you that may have been able to secure tickets for that. If you haven't, check out 101ESPN.com. You'll see the full information for the events tonight. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've got food trucks going on down there. Obviously, some great beer, some drinks. We'll be out there chatting with you guys. And some Blues players will be answering a live Q&A as well. So plenty of fun to be had down at the Anheuser-Busch Brewery. I will not have headphones in, just if anybody's wondering. So the reason why I bring this up, Alex, is because we've been talking about this a little bit off air it's baby boy's first opportunity to to meet the the viewing public so to speak yeah we all know your ulterior mo- ulterior motives in this one though. you think yeah what, yep. are, what are my ulterior motives bk wants to be the star of the show and he realizes that shen and pareko and bennington are all going to be here and bk's like man i can't have that this is me this is the bk and ferrario show you know what sets me above the rest a 10-week-old boy. And 11, he says, 11 weeks 11 old. weeks. Yesterday, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're Everybody's going to come over and be like, goo, 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 goo. not to BK, to the baby, to baby <laughs> oh, Luke, I not to BK. Oh, I, I was about to say, T-Bone's not there, but man. But nothing, yeah. nothing warms BK up, nothing riles him up more than people coming to talk to him. And BK is going to be like, yep, let's bring baby boy. We understand, man. I know why Alex is upset about this. Because he knows we're basically viewed as a pair. And he knows that we're going to be next to each other. And therefore, when they come to talk to me, you know who they're also going to be talking to? Alex Ferrario. So I'm dragging him Uh. into this situation where he is now going to have to talk to more people because I'm bringing baby Luca to the event. See, you think we're a pair. We're not a pair. You just act like a pair. I'm I'm a separate entity. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you are now on a new podcast. Yeah, I joined Donnie on uh, Last Minute Blues Podcast. He's going to start having me on a little bit more. Man, I'm working with two big wigs. He has officially one-upped us, T-Bone. Yeah. That gets sent out not just through us, but through the Blues. Look, look, guys, for three months out of the year, I'm known as BK and Ferrario. But for the other nine months out of the year, I'm known as pre- and post-game host Alex Ferrario. Somebody on the text line makes an interesting point. Yeah. Guys, let's be real. He's bringing Luca so he can leave early with no questions asked. He thinks that's what he's going to be able to do. So here's the thing that that I find to be really funny t-bone yeah that would be the alex move like if ever there was an alex ferrario move it would have been bringing one of his two beautiful daughters to one of these events to leave early to use them as the excuse of we got to get home but what he does instead this is every bit as good of a move actually hey we have our grand their grandparents yep our parents watching the kids we got to be home by a specific time rookie move <laughs> I actually think his move is better. Really? Yeah, Babysitter has to leave by 8.30. Because. I got to go. Exactly. Exactly. Baby Luca has a good time and is laughing and joking and, yeah. and chuckling. And, oh, he's awake. He's having fun. You're not leaving. Oh, baby Luca's upset. Really? Because he was smiling 10 seconds ago. Everyone's going to want to hold baby Luca. Uh, no, Kara's, that's the thing. Kara's like, hey, look, we're having a fun time out. Luca's good. Let's let's enjoy ourselves. Yep. Meanwhile, Babysitter's got, oh, oh. Babysitter just texted me. He's got a he got an emergency at home. I got to get home. 
Yeah, see, I think that... Boom, baby! I, I think that's the pro move, and you're not the center of attention at an event. And, and I, I think that's the better yep. move, because I think he's right. I think, one, people are going to be drawn yep. to, oh, cute little baby boy, I and would then say they show this. up. And I'm then gonna, if, if Luca gonna... Now, if Luca gets fussy like five minutes in, Absolutely. pro move. <laughs> Absolutely. If, it, if Luca's the, like the baby... It's a gamble. Saw, BK's yeah. going to start like, pinching Luca's arm and like, cry, <laughs> cry, kid, cry. If, if Luca's anything like the baby I saw at Bush Stadium when I was at the Cardinals game on Tuesday, who seriously did not cry for the entirety yeah. of the game. You're stuck for the whole party. I'm going to be able to sit on a bench and crack open a nice Budweiser and yeah. nobody's going to bother me. Meanwhile, BK's over here. People left, right. Oh, my God. Look at the cute so baby. So the move is actually just not feeding him for like two hours prior to this event. Well, that's oh, torture. He gets super <laughs> yeah, that's hungry. Torture. About 30 minutes in and we're like, oh, got to go. Baby boy's yeah, very yeah, hungry. But Kara breastfeeds so she can find a personal spot and, and breastfeed him there. No, and then good to go, go for another couple of hours. Got to go home. Uh, see, when, when you try the move, I'm going to be like, no, Kara, Kara can breastfeed. There's a, there's a spot she can I, use it back there. I, think, I think kids are the best icebreaker, though. I really do. They really are. Uh, that's what, I utilize that with Adelaide a lot. Like, it is a really good icebreaker. And unlike, because Adelaide can, Adelaide could, like, run around yeah. too, at a party if you put her down. Luca's not running anywhere. No. Luca's no, sitting he's in the right arms. there. He's so, right there. Somebody on the text line says this as if they think I don't know it. BK is going to learn really fast that uh, when you have a kid, nobody actually wants to talk to you. They just want to see your baby. A hundred percent. That's want, the point, my yeah, friend. They didn't want to talk to him to begin with. That's the point. And you know how you shoo him away? You're like, oh, no, you can't hold him. Or you can't touch him or anything right now. He's still too young. Well, that is that is the move. He doesn't have all of his I know. <laughs> I know. Believe me. This is how I kept people away. I'm very excited to go I got to, to stay at home there. for the first, like, two months of both of my girls' lives because, oh, sorry, she can't go out in public. Somebody said the most unbelievable part of this ex entire exchange is that Alex is actually going to be cracking open a Budweiser as his beer of choice. Why is is that, that your go-to AB product? Yeah, I, I do love me some Budweiser. I don't believe you at all. I 100% oh, believe man. he's going to no. have some kind one of their I've with the Budweiser. Yeah, I like what I'm saying. I believe him that he drinks Budweiser. He's no. definitely going to have a seltzer tonight. Oh, that's no, true. I, see, it's not seltzer season anymore. Oh, okay. that is true. It's it not, is it's not cooling warm. down. It, yeah, it's you uh, this pumpkin? is. God no. Are you a pumpkin beer guy? Oh my no. god, my no. brother. I do like is, some Oktoberfest beers, but no. not, I'm not like a just pumpkin. Once ale I guy. once I hit the fall to spring, it's Budweiser all day. All really? Night. Yeah, and then the seltzers kick in once it gets warmer out. And more I like seltzers a, on the golf course. More of a bush guy myself. Makes a lot of wow. sense. What a trade! Wow, unbelievable. Makes a lot of sense. Bush has. Like bush heavy? Is that what you're going to say? Bush heavy? <laughs> bush light? Uh, bush heavy? All the bush, fine by me. Coming up next, Wait, by Amen, me might brother. be exactly what the doctor ordered for this Cardinals rotation. And no, don't get mad at me. We'll explain it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Okay, so we are potentially going to have Oscar Sundquist join the show here in just a moment. So when we uh, get him into the studio, we will certainly uh, go ahead and call an audible. But right now, I do want to talk briefly, Alex, about Wade Miley, who we saw shut down the Cardinals uh, this week. He is nobody's definition of an ace by any stretch of the imagination. He's 36 years old, and he's just merely a good pitcher. 
But he is exactly the kind of guy that I would like to see as the number five starter for the Cardinals going into next season. But with that being said, we have the opportunity right now to catch up with the one and only Oscar Sunquist, who's stepping into the studio. And when you have the opportunity to have Sonny on the show, you do it any time that you can. Oscar Sunquist back in St. Louis, a St. Louis City SC super fan. It's good to have him back on the St. Louis Blues. Sonny, we appreciate you taking the time to hop on with us today, man. How you doing? Thanks for having me, guys. I'm uh, doing good, you know. Uh, finally catching my breath after after that skate. But, uh, <laughs> other than that, it's, it's good. Well, worst timing ever to make you come in and do a, uh, a hit on radio, <laughs> right? Making you walk over here. Sonny, did you, uh, did you know that tweeting out a blue heart emoji was going to take an entire city by storm during the offseason? No, I thought it was kind of... Uh, I thought I did it pretty good. Uh, <laughs> then I started started counting the teams after I posted it, and I was like, "Oh, it's, maybe it's not that many teams that are blue." So uh, <laughs> I did not know it's gonna blow up that much. But uh, yeah, I guess uh, I guess it got uh, figured out pretty quickly. What is? <laughs> What is your relationship like with St. Louis Blues fans? Because obviously on our side, we, we see the text line. We see the amount of love that comes your direction, um, the, the connection that you clearly have with this fan base. For you, what is that connection like? You know, it's it's been kind of from day one. Uh, you know, city of St. Louis is so so welcoming and, and they open you with open arms and, and they can take care of you. And, and you know, they're always, always been nice. They just... You go on the street and you you say hi to people and all that stuff. You know, it's it's just awesome to, the the people here and uh, you know I I got to learn that pretty quickly when I got here and and uh, it's just been growing since then. So uh, like I've said many times before, it's it feels like a second home and this is uh, this is where I want to be and. Uh, I just absolutely love everything with uh, with the city. I'll I'll never forget Sonny talking with you that first season that you were, were acquired and came to St. Louis and you went through camp, you went through preseason, and you made the team. And you were talking about just how you felt like you got acclimated, not just to the roster but to the city. And, and you've played on other teams. Now you've been with Detroit, Minnesota. At the time, you were with Pittsburgh. Does it does it change? I guess the season for you when you feel so comfortable in a city and feel like you get so acclimated with a group. Yeah, no, definitely it does. You know, it's it's. I feel like you you really need to as as a as a person and where you are. If if you're not happy outside the rink, it's not gonna work at the rink. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna play your best on the ice and all that stuff. And uh, you know, I I feel like a lot of a lot of guys that that can be so much better probably have that problem that they don't feel they don't feel good outside the rink, and that that's where. I feel, that's why I give St. Louis a lot of credit, uh, most of the city, for for really taking care of their players and then really, really making them feel like welcoming them home. So um, that that's one that uh, St. Louis is is absolutely on top at. The other thing that helps with that, of course, is health and just being able to be on the ice and feeling like yourself. Where are you at right now, health wise, Sonny? This is the this is the best I've ever felt in in a lot of years. Uh, you know, just getting a, a full on summer with no rehab and. And really preparing for for this season, uh, you know, I, I had a talk with Doug this morning too about how how good this summer has have gone and and all that stuff. And uh, I, I feel uh, I feel the best I ever had, and uh, I'm just so excited to get this thing started and 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 be healthy. Who was happier when you they found out that you were in St. Louis again, Craig Berube or Joe Vitale? <laughs> <laughs> because I, Joe, I've never seen a man more emotionally torn when we found out that you were traded to Detroit, and I've never seen somebody as happy as he was when we found out that Oscar Sundquist was coming back. 
I, I tell you this. Uh, I don't know if this guy is going to give it away or not, but uh, one of them called me, <laughs> and the other one didn't. <laughs> uh, and the other one didn't even answer my text so uh and i can promise that that can't be who we all think it was so you know he's got five kids apparently that that is that is it's it's a hard life for him we talked to him yesterday and we were joking around with him about that and i said now to be fair to joe it's not as easy as you think in terms of five kids and it's just like oh hey let me he probably saw it the moment it was sent and then like forgot two minutes later for sure five kids will do that to you (laughs) so Sonny, earlier today we were talking with Kevin Hayes, and he said one of the things that he likes early on in his uh, impression from Craig Burby is that you know exactly what he needs from you. He, he tells you exactly what he wants out of your role, and he makes it very clear. When you talk with Craig Burby, whether it was during the offseason or over the first couple of days of camp, what has he told you about what your role is going to be for this team, both on and off the ice? You know, it's, it's getting getting a little bit older, and, and, and all that stuff is more more showing the younger guys and getting everyone in the right mindset and 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 showing especially with my style of play on how kind of dragging people along you know uh getting back to to blues hockey and 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 showing that uh but like you said you know when when chief wants he he doesn't want perfection or anything he he wants to work hard and try and and it's it's simple and and you know it's uh, I, I feel like he, I, I fit perfect in with, with him as a person and as a coach, and uh, I'm just gonna keep doing what I did, and basically in 2019, and and uh, this time maybe maybe help out the younger younger guys a little bit more uh, with my with my more experience and stuff like that. But uh, we got such a good team, and uh, if we can all just move in the right dire- same direction, it's it's gonna be a a really fun season. You are a vet now, Oscar, in the NHL. Does it seem to you that teams take the identity of their coach more than maybe what they did in the past? Because this Blues team does feel like it takes Barubi's identity more times than not through a season. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and you know, what I feel like just these first two days of camp too, you know, um, you know, I, I feel like a lot of guys are very disappointed with, with how last season went. That they want to kind of uh, this revenge almost in this season, and and you know it's uh, it's probably the the highest tempo I've had in first two days of a training camp, and and uh, it's it's fun to see and be a part of, and and you know I feel like we're all we're all backing up with the with the with the coaching staff right now, and uh, we seem to keep keep going the same direction, you know. With it. Like I said, it's going to be a fun season if we're doing that. There's a lot of competition for this team for fourth-line minutes. You look at Torpchenko, Blay, Neighbors, some of the young guys as well, Dean, Alexandrov, and then Richie coming in on a PTO as well. What's that like? I know it's super early in camp, but what's that like to see so much competition for those fourth-line roles? You know, it, competition is always good because it makes you it makes you go that little extra mile, if you want to say that, and and uh really do do this little extra rep or whatever and you know it's 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 always healthy it's healthy competition and and uh you you have to be on your toes every day uh you know you can you can be really good one day and next day you might you might not be in the in the in the lineup so uh i only see positive things with having with having that type of competition and and i think it's good for for all of us uh, in, the, in the whole locker room. Was it fun for you to get a taste of the playoffs again last year? Obviously, I know when you were traded to Detroit, missed out on the playoffs, but being in Minnesota last season, a little bit more excitement towards the end of that year. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, 
kind of didn't go how how we planned it. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you know, uh, a lot of fun. You you know, just uh, just everything around it and and all that stuff is is so much fun. Uh, it's nothing nothing compared to it and and. You know, like you said, with the Detroit one, nothing, nothing sucks more than <laughs> missing out on it. Yeah. But, uh, no, you know, I feel like we have a really good chance this year, and then make make something big here happen. And uh, like I said, the guys are uh, are out for revenge from last season, and and they're hungry. So uh, I'm really looking forward to get this uh, the this season started. Awesome. Final hockey question that I have for you. Last time that you were here, Robert Thomas, Jordan Kyrou were both very young players. They were at the early portions of their careers. What, from the players that they were when you were last year to the players that they are today, what have you seen in terms of their development? You know, just just more mature. I would say uh, it's the biggest thing. Uh, you know, they're 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 always they're always been skilled players. They're always going to be skilled players. Uh, but just taking more responsibility, both both on and off the ice so far and 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 really maturing as a, as persons uh or people so uh excited to see see both of them and, and hopefully they 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 can translate what they've been doing off the ice to to on the ice uh but uh, they've been uh, they've been growing growing a lot and i feel like i feel like almost like a parent you know they grow up so fast <laughs> uh, it, it feels like i knew knew robbie when i was a little little baby when i was 18 years old uh but no it's uh, it's awesome to see them they're they're both great guys and uh like i said they're uh, they're been they've been they're grown-ups now final one from me sonny city sc you have been become a super fan here in st louis what what has it been like for you to see the success of that team starting from basically nothing to now clinching a playoff spot yeah you know it's awesome uh everything getting into soccer here and then and, and getting that stadium and, and how the how the city's been been uh, rallying up around it uh and it's it's kind of kind of something that that we want to do you know they they don't have the best team on the paper i, I think i saw a month ago or so that they're basically the in the bottom of the paying paying like the players yeah. uh and but you know they're all they're all moving on the same page they're all they're all working together and and you know that's uh that that can make a lot you don't have to have the the highest paid players in the in the league uh they're they're a great example of that of just have getting the group together and and working together and and uh good things gonna happen so uh hopefully hopefully they finish the season strong here and i can't wait to see uh see uh how uh, how playoff is in, yeah. uh, in in soccer? Have you tried to uh, convince them to let you be that flag guy in the St. Louis <laughs> area during the first playoff game? <laughs> no, we'll see. Those, those flags are heavy, so credit to them. And doing guys. it the that's entire crazy. game. Yeah, 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 no, that's credit to them. My uh, my arms wouldn't, my shoulders <laughs> would be sore after after a whole night of that. But uh, no, that's uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, yeah. just going to those games are a lot of fun. That atmosphere seems like it, it's it draws you in so fast and makes you want to come back. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. I I will gonna keep saying this, and I've said it a lot of times. I think the stadium is too small. Uh, I think it should be bigger. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> it's my opinion. Uh, but no, it, it's it's so much fun going to those games. He's awesome. Oscar Sunquist. It's great to have him back here in St. Louis with the St. Louis Blues. Sonny, it's great to catch up with you. Hopefully, we'll be able to do a few more of these throughout the season. Best of luck throughout training camp, yeah. and we'll see you again soon, man. Thanks for having me, guys. You got it. That's Oscar Sunquist. Blues forward, back in the fold with the St. Louis Blues. Appreciate him hopping over to catch up with.
with us as the Blues day two of training camp has come to a close here today at the Centene Community Ice Center. Coming up next, Mizzou's got some momentum. They can't let go of that in. We'll predict the Monday morning college football headlines here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. If you missed it, we were able to catch up with Blues forwards Kevin Hayes and Oscar Sundquist earlier today. Those are available for you after the show over at 101ESPN.com or on the free 101 ESPN app. It's all presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Center. You guys can also always re-watch the show after it's completed over on YouTube, which we are back up live oh, on YouTube at 101 ESPN STL. All right, let's talk a little bit of college football because this is a great college football week. T-Bone, you mentioned the stat earlier in the week. I think it's the most top 25 matchups this early in the season since, if I'm not mistaken, 2006. So this is one of the best slates you could possibly ask for. I mean, you look up and down the board. You got Colorado against Oregon, UCLA versus Utah, Ole Miss versus Bama, Oregon State versus Wazoo, Ohio State versus Notre Dame, and Iowa taking on Penn State. And that is not to include either of the two local games as well. FAU against Illinois. Yeah. Best football game of the weekend. Illinois better cover in that one. Get yourself back on the right side of things. And Missouri taking on the Memphis Tigers. I am not confident that Missouri is going to cover the spread in that one. What a terrible fan you are. I do like them to win outright. Let's start with that one, Alex. This is a game where Missouri, it's another pass-fail test for me. I don't care what the final score is. I really don't. If you win 3-2 to two or 50-45, to 45, go out there and just find a way to get a victory against the Memphis Tigers. Because right now, there is real momentum with the Missouri football program. You cannot allow that to sw- slip away before you get into the heart of the SEC slate. So uh, this is another one of those pass-fail tests for me. If they lose this one... We're talking about a team that's probably going to be another seven-win team because this is how you deflate your season. Yep. You come off of such an ultimate high. You're in St. Louis against a new, with a new fan base taking on this team. You lay an egg, you're back to being a team that's probably going to win three, maybe four SEC games. Whereas if you win this one, I'm still on my optimistic island here. We're talking about a nine-win team. And this is where you win this one, you go into SEC play feeling like you're untouchable, especially for watching how Georgia's played, Alabama's played, the contest that you're going to have when you take on Florida and Tennessee. Like, you feel untouchable when you win this one. And if you lose, we're talking about a team that might fall apart towards the end. Yeah, I I think with that being said, you're looking at a team that if you can take care of business, now look, if they find a way to just kind of fight through this one and win the close game, they're not going to be ranked. But they, they should be ranked if they win this weekend and they take care of business because there's going to be multiple top 25 teams that are going to lose. Some that are near the back end of the top 25, looking at you, Iowa. And, and you're, they stink. Okay. Um, but you're going you're gonna to be a team that can go into SEC play potentially in the top 25. I mean, they were, what, 27th technically if you look at the AP top 25 and how they received votes. So, yeah, they take care of business. You're going in rank. You're feeling good against conference play. And you get a cupcake in conference play to open things up with Vanderbilt. And you build all that momentum to the showdown with the LSU Tigers. And that's that's the best thing that can happen for them. I think you're right. I think if they somehow lose this game, then it's deflating. You are talking about a team that all of a sudden looks at someone and goes, 
that Kansas State game, that wasn't us. That was more of a one-off bias where we just played really well for one game. So that's one game that we're going to watch this weekend. Our eyes, I would assume, are going to be also pointed at some of these other uh, big-time top 25 matchups. So let's go through, predict the headlines for Monday morning, all right? What is going to be the headline coming off of these big college football games over the weekend? Let's start with Colorado versus Oregon. This is the headliner. If you're looking at any of the ratings coming off of the last few weeks, I mean, Colorado versus Colorado State was one of the most watched college football games of the last decade on ESPN. Colorado versus bleep in Colorado State. Nobody nationally cares about Colorado State. Guys, I had a doctor's appointment with our baby boy's doctor earlier today. You know what he asked me about? He knows I'm a sports guy. The only thing he asked me about, it wasn't the Cardinals, it wasn't the Blues. It was Colorado and Deion Sanders. That is what he's doing. He has become a brand out at CU. And my uh, headline coming off of this one is very simple. Not so buff. Buffaloes fall flat. In Oregon. That's good. I, like I think this is going to be the first game where we look at them and say, mm, the talent deficit is very much still there, and it is something that they are going to struggle to overcome. No Travis Hunter in this one. They're going up against a very good Oregon football team. This does not mean that I think Colorado stinks. I don't. I still think they lose this one like 42 to 20, something like that. I think Oregon wins, unfortunately, going away. You want want to know what my headline is with this one? Please. The Buffaloes roam in Oregon. Ooh. You know, give me a home where the Buffaloes roam. They're going to roam in Oregon. Oregon. Close enough. You got it. Close enough with this one. I, 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 I get that they're playing without Travis Hunter, who is a game changer for them, but they still, like, Sanders at the quarterback position is still a game changer for them. And I think they've still got the elite weapons. Defensively, I'm not expecting them to be very great because of not having Hunter. But I also think this is going to be a, a sling show in terms of everybody's throwing the ball deep. And I think Colorado prevails. And I think people are talking more about Colorado being the real deal after this game rather than acting like that they're just some show in the first couple of weeks. Yeah, my headline is Dion's not ducking around because the Buff- Buffaloes take down the Oregon Ducks. Man, we are good at these. I, I, I could see where Colorado I, – I think last week, was one of those, and BK said this, I think they read too much of their own headlines, and they kind of were looking ahead. It felt like a trap game against Colorado State. I think this week, Dion's at least proven enough so far to where he can get this team riled up, get the energy back into that team, and they can go into Oregon and potentially pull off an upset. I have not been as impressed with Oregon early on this season as I have been with Colorado. So I think they've got a shot. It is going to be very difficult without Hunter. If they had a Hunter, I would be 100% in on an upset. It's going to be tougher. I think they could pull it off. So I'm going Dion is not ducking around. So I really like that one, first of all. Um, I will give you one more. Utah versus UCLA. I don't know if you guys have a headline for this one. It's okay if you do not. Utah rising up the ranks as Cam Rising stars in his return for the Utah Utes. I think Utah picks up a win this weekend against UCLA. I like Cam Rising to be the star of this one so long as he is indeed able to return. There's been some... Uh, it's gone back and forth on whether or not he is for sure going to play, but Cam Rising is their star quarterback. He has been out so far this season. I think he'll be able to be back in this one. The Utes kick UCLA's boots. That's my headline. Canadian headline? Yeah, you're welcome. It's butts, but it's boots. I like it. Thanks, and it rhymes with with Utes. That's where I was going. The other one was the Utes 
No, 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 no. I'm going to stick with the, the first Utes. one I have. The, the Utes. The Utes are on fire. We can do that one, too. Rich Bone, what's your Rich next headline coming off of this weekend? My, that one for me, UCLA, I'm going to say UCLA is back, and it's all in, in bold letters. Well, I think they're pulling boring. off the Utes. Boo. I, can I, can I, get, I know. I didn't have a great one for that one. Uh, I couldn't come up with anything clever. I didn't know the, the, Utes, Utes, the Utes. The Utes root the uh, Bruins. Can I give you mine for Ole Miss and Alabama? Sure. Ole Alabama is done. That, that's my headline. Ole Miss takes down Alabama. The Nick Saban era is officially over in Woo! Alabama. Spicy. Rebels with a cause. Ooh, oh, that I like is that good. One. I like that. Man, I wish I could have came up with that. You all are welcome for that one. Jackson is darting up the Heisman candidacy rankings. Felt like a reach. Who are we talking about? Jackson Dart. He's their starting quarterback for Ole <laughs> <laughs> Too deep into the waters, man. You yeah, can't no, do that. That's fair. That's fair. Too deep uh, into not the so ooey. Uwe Ungalale leads Oregon State to a big victory over the Washington State Cougars. I don't have a good one on this one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't have any good with this one. Do you have an Ohio State headline for Notre Dame? I couldn't really come up with one for the Ohio State Notre Dame. I was trying to think because I think Notre Dame was the, the luck football. of the Irish. I know, and I didn't want to go like yeah. the classic. Oh, look at look at the luck of the Irish. So I don't really have a good one for that one. I do think Notre Dame wins. I think it's probably just a simple Notre Dame is a serious college football playoff threat, and I, I think that might be what the headline is coming after that one. And they play Duke coming up, going up next week, so they could have two back to back top twenty five wins. Yeah, I, I have no creative one with that one. I used all my creative juices in the first three. <laughs> but I do think that the headline on that one is Notre Dame's a real deal. Because I, I, Notre Dame wins that one. Notre Dame is a top four, top five team in college football. And I'm going to start backing what I believed before the season began, saying that they could make a playoff run, a college football playoff run. And I'm going the opposite side of this one. I actually think that Ohio State ends up winning this game. And I think the headline will be, this is not creative either, this, I I couldn't find anything that would uh, like be a play on words on this. Just have a better name than Buckeyes, you know? Like, come on, more the Irish. The Irish are good. I think you could play off. I just don't want to go off the same thing. I was trying to do something. The Irish pick the Buckeyes for Leaf Clover. It's not Ohio State's day as Ohio State drops to Notre Dame. Okay, I can see that. Stupid. I, I, my headline coming <laughs> off of this one, Marvin Harrison Jr. is an established top five pick and could be fighting for a top two pick going into next year's draft. I think the headline coming off of this is that Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best wide receiver prospect, not named Jamar Chase, that we've seen in the last decade. Uh, I think he's right up there with anybody else that you want to talk about. Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson, all these dudes. He doesn't have the size of some of those guys, but man, in terms of his effectiveness on the football field, uh, he can do everything. He, he can be for your team what Justin Jefferson is for the Minnesota Vikings. Is it weird that I'm rooting for the Colts to suck this year because I want Marvin Harrison Jr. to be their first-round pick? Like I, re- I, Obviously, with his dad's background with the Colts, but I really want sure. a Richardson- Harrison Jr. one-two punch moving forward with that Colts team. That'd be fun. I might be a fan if that happens. You don't want to do that. Why not, man? Uh-huh. Better than the Chiefs. No kidding. But, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to be a Colts fan. Why? Why not, man? They got the better quarterback out of all the other rookies. Yeah. You know, Colts fans are constantly heartbroken. <laughs> not when you have the Richardson-Harrison duo. Yeah, that's going to change things for him. Take that, son. Three one four three nine 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 six four six is the air comfort service text line. You got it. Somebody said my new favorite segment. BK somehow still manages to make even puns sound smug. I didn't think your puns sounded smug, there, buddy. Thanks, man. 
No, I'm not going to fist bump you. Alex anymore. is in a good mood today. You know how I can tell? He's standing up during the show. <laughs> he's he's all. That's because I get to go out to Blues and Bruce tonight, <laughs> and BK takes all the attention, so I yeah. get to enjoy and myself. You got to talk with Sonny today. And yeah, Kevin I got Hayes. Sonny today, man. That was great. That he's, was a good surprise. He, he's my. Uh, we're hoping that we get a weekly hit with Blues players. He's my hope. I would love to have it. It's a sunny week. You're not going to make me uh, try to convince you otherwise. Sesame I, Street. I would be happy. To sunny do it. days. I don't watch Sesame Street as much anymore. Did no? you watch it when you were growing up? Uh, no, I was more of an Arthur guy. It's a Blues Clues guy. That makes you watched a show about an aardvark. That makes so much freaking <laughs> sense. Yeah, like, like my goodness, man. I mean, my, like, did you like Baby Shark noise or the song too? I mean, I I was like 18 when that came out, so probably yeah. not. <laughs> I mean, hey, he just admitted last yesterday to watching. What was the show? Bluey. Bluey. Yeah, I watched I it this morning. Admit that. Yeah. I was up at 6 a.m. and I watched an hour of that while I was getting the girls' what breakfast ready. What was your ready. go-to like Nickelodeon, Disney Channel, like early preteen era? Show? Uh, well, Nickelodeon. Like Rocket. I was. Power, I was never Disney Channel. Berries. I was always Nickelodeon. Rocco's Modern Life was the go-to for me. Sure. Ren and Stimpy. Uh, and then that, all that, and are you afraid of the dark? Those are like my four go-to's of Nickelodeon. All that was Double incredible. Dare two thousand. Watch Double Dare. Tried to get on Double Dare. Didn't work. The Amanda Show. Yeah, watch the Amanda. Seriously, my wife. My wife was the Disney Channel person, which makes sense. She loves Disney like sure. your wife does. I was never Disney, all Nickelodeon. Uh, what was it? Smart House. Uh, Smart Guy. Smart Guy. Smart yeah, Guy was one was, of them. Um, his the brother in that was the singer in B two K. Really? You know the bump, bump, bump song? Love me some bump, bump, bump. I don't think I knew Baby, that, actually. Baby, turn around and let me see that sexy body go bump, bump, bump. bump. Did you watch Rugrats? Watch Rugrats. Hey, Arnold. Another really good, good one. one. Yeah, yeah. That's, that was a really good one. That yeah. was right up there. The Nickelodeon was live. T-Bone, how many of the, You're looking at me like you've just seen a ghost. Yeah, Somebody I, mentioned uh, Jimmy Neutron was one of theirs. I never liked Jimmy Neutron. No, I just the only thing that I can think of now is Rockio. Anytime <laughs> that I hear about Jimmy Neutron. Well, I can't watch Wreck-It Ralph at home and, without thinking of Rockio <laughs> smashing pencils in the uh, Were studio. Were you a big Ed, Ed, and Eddie guy? I feel like you would have been It was Cartoon Ed, Ed, Network, yeah, because yeah. I was a big Scooby-Doo guy. Like, Scooby-Doo was my favorite cartoon growing up. Keenan and Kel was a good one. Scooby Doo, the only one Dexter's I know. Dexter's Laboratory. I didn't like that one. That no, much. really. I'm I liked uh, that. Johnny Bravo. Johnny Bravo was a good one. Little bit of the Powerpuff Girls. Recess. That too. Recess, uh, yeah, Recess was, was an all timer. Recess was the goat. <laughs> what was your go to, T Bone? <laughs> His go to was. Uh, I don't even I, remember. I like, when I was in that kind of preteen age, it was uh, Good Luck Charlie was on Disney. I remember that. I, I couldn't I, even tell you what that is. Oh, remember. really? That was great. Uh, Wizards of Waverly Place was big when I was growing up, too. No. I remember that one. I think what else? I mean, those were the two big ones that I can recall from Disney. Uh, what was that guy? Big, big, big ten. I want to say was his name. Had like a watch and would turn into like aliens. I watched that on Cartoon Network a lot. Dude. Big. Yeah. Thank you. It was big. Jordan just came through for yeah. you. There. I. Ben, ben 10. 10. Ben 10. Not Big 10. That makes more big sense. Big 10 would be football. Yeah. Well, I, I did watch some of that, too. No, I Seriously, not one of the things you just named I've ever well, heard Well, now of. you know how I feel. Then this happens to me yeah, all the time. Yeah, but ours are, like, historic. Yours are, like, boring. No. You should go back and look at ours. No. Yeah. D- Doug is a good one. Doug was a good one. Yeah. I dressed up as um, Quail Man. For Did Halloween you? one year. Yep. Wore the underwear on the outside. Had the towel as the... I was a big Captain Underpants guy. Remember the old uh, Scholac- Scholastic Book Fair? Dude, I used to drop way too much money at Scholastic Book Fair. Oh, My sure. mom would be like, why did you... I didn't read. So she was like, <laughs> why are you dropping all of this money on this stuff? 
is playing video games. She's like, why are you bringing home 15 Choose books? your own adventure and Captain Underpants. So those were the two book Goosebumps series. Goosebumps were mine. Oh, for sure. Jeez, they're, bringing out, they're bringing a new Goosebumps series to Disney+. Plus. Eh, not interested. <laughs> yes, please. Coming up next, one's got to go here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. This is BK and Ferrario. Time now for One's Gotta Go. We offer up the talking points, and you get to pick which one's gotta go on 101 ESPN. Count that, that big bang. 646 is the air covered service text line for One's Gotta Go. One's Gotta Go Kids Show Network Edition, guys. Tanner's not allowed to answer this. Nickelodeon, Disney, Cartoon Network, or Boomerang? I don't even know what Boomerang is. Are you familiar with Boomerang? Isn't that a television, like, station app? I I genuinely don't know. Jordan, Grant, either of you know what Boomerang is? Are we Boomerang? Yeah, I I have no idea. I've never heard of that. (laughs) Thank God. Okay, good. So this is like a thing. Let's get rid of that one. Let's set it to the side for a second. Nickelodeon, Disney, or Cartoon Network? Which one's got to go? Because of my childhood, I would get rid of Disney. Like, I'm getting rid of the Disney Channel. Yeah, I I just, none of the shows on Disney Channel I watched growing up. It was all Nickelodeon. Or it's weird, though, because I watched Disney movies, but it was all Nickelodeon shows and Cartoon Network shows. Like, from. Five o'clock until about ten o'clock at night. I was watching Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon, and then Whose Line Is It Anyway came on on ABC Family, and I'd watch that. Yeah, see, I would get rid of Nickelodeon. I didn't watch nothing on Nickelodeon. I watched really? Disney. I watched Cartoon wow. Network. Yeah, like everything. Like I can, I know the shows that were on Nickelodeon. Like you had a uh, what was it? I I Heart Carly. We literally, just no. That's not. No. Well, that was one that was there when I was yeah. growing up. You old guys, things were a little different. <laughs> I also watched um, a lot of South Park. In Spon- like I didn't watch SpongeBob. That's on Nick yeah. Nickelodeon as well. So like I didn't watch anything on Nickelodeon. So I'd say Nickelodeon's got to go for me. Oof. I would go Cartoon Network. Really? I didn't really oh, watch man. much Cartoon Network. Dude, Cartoon Network had such a great lineup in the evenings on Friday nights. Dexter's Laboratory, Johnny Bravo, yeah. Ed, uh, Ed, and Eddie. Courage the big... Cowardly Dog. That was another really good one. I didn't really watch any of Scooby-Doo. these, to be totally honest with you guys. Oh, yeah. They they like, they like had the most incredible ben lineup. Ben 10 is apparently on Cartoon Network. Yeah. You don't boy. know what the hell that is. Never heard it was of that great. before in my no. life. I used to have a little watch where I would pretend Pinky to Pinky and in the, the Brain alien. was another one on Nickelodeon. Yeah, see, I didn't... Animaniacs, watch that one. Looney Tunes, that was Cartoon Network. See, these are the goats. Disney yeah. didn't really have this when I was growing up. All right, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. One's got to go ticket edition. You get one. Of, you get to get rid of one of these. Game 7 of the World Series, Game 7 of the Stanley Cup, a sun, or a Sunday ticket to the Masters. World Series, Stanley Cup, or the Masters? It's easy for go. me. Yeah, it's easy for me, too. Mine well, would be the Masters. Same. Yeah. yeah. I, I just I can experience the Masters from home. I can experience the World Series of the Stanley Cup final at home. That, that atmosphere, now that I've lived it with a Game 7 of a cup, there's nothing close to compare of either of those two. Yeah, I, I just don't think the environment's the same as a Game Seven World Series. It's because intense, though. It, the it is. It is intense, but it's not as like rowdy. Like it's golf is more kind of laid back, quiet. There are some courses that get that way, and I think it is starting to become more of a rowdy sport where you get younger yeah. people in watching it. But like, I think World Series Game Seven, that place could be going crazy at any moment. Golf, it's just like the Masters. You've got to have a guy you're rooting for who's competing for the win. 
Like, you've got to have the guy that you like competing for the green jacket. Otherwise, I don't think it matters because you're going to see your guy. You're not really going to – I mean, unless it's a really competitive battle at the end, then that's a little bit more exciting. The other thing is there's not a lot of Game 7s in the Stanley Cup no. or the uh, the World Series. You're right. The Masters comes around every year. Yep. Now, if you told me you guaranteed me, hey, you're going to see something special. You're going like to see playoff. like a playoff or something like that. Like, okay, cool. I, I could probably convince myself that that is something that lives up to the expectations of these other two. But it is so rare, exceedingly rare, that you see a Game 7. And the potential of seeing a good Game 7 where one of those teams leaves feeling like they had a real opportunity just slip out of their hands, yeah, I, I got to go with the Game 7s. I'm going to get rid of the Masters as well. Although that is something that is legitimately on my bucket list. I would love to go to yeah. uh, the Masters. I, like if that, I had to choose one of these three, that would be the one that like has that to Like that PGA Championship when Woods won it here in St. Louis, that was, that, was in, that was invigorating to be there for it. But I'm still going to go to a World Series or a Stanley Cup every day of the week over that. That Sunday, watching that, it was one of the greatest sporting experiences. And watching it was exciting had. for you. And there's the difference. But No, I was there. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. But I, what I, I mean followed is, around Tiger yeah. the entire day, and it was one of the greatest sporting experiences yeah. ever. But, you, like, I would need to know that Tiger is competing at the Masters down the stretch be the guy. for that to be able to live up. All right, one's got to go retread quarterback edition. Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, Jimmy G, Baker Mayfield. Which one's got to go? Russ, Carr, Jimmy G, Baker. I think this is easy. I'm getting rid of Baker. Oh, really? I was yeah. going to say Jimmy G. I was going to say Jimmy G, too. Are we talking, oh, really? like, whole career or are we talking just NFL? Uh, right now. Oh, right now. Yeah, I would get rid of Jimmy G. Like, Baker's at least competing. Uh, Jimmy G looks washed up. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's kind of where I am. I Like, I look at the Tampa Bay Bucks and I, I think they're a fraudulent 2-0 team. But Baker's looked pretty good with them. And, and he looked good at times with the Rams last year down the stretch. I mean, he basically showed up didn't know the playbook and won a football game for the L.A. Rams. And I, I think when he is healthy at times, he looks better than a Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo, I just, there's not a lot there. Jimmy G just doesn't look interested in football anymore. Yeah. feel bad for the guy. I think Jimmy G gets a little underrated. I, I mean, think he gets a bad rap. I mean, when you take a porn star out on a date, like you would imagine, your thoughts are elsewhere, right? Uh, touche, sir. Coming up Baker's next, not doing that. We're hitting the BK and Ferrario Rewind and uh, closing up shop for the end of the week here on 101 ESPN. Back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's run it back with a daily rewind on PK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Stewart's American Mortgage. Google the bagel loan featuring zero fees and zero closing costs. I'm BK. Hey, it's been a pleasure to be with you guys out here live from the ENB Granite Studios at the St. Teen Community Ice Center over the last few days. If you missed any of our conversations uh, with Blues players, any of our Blues content previewing the upcoming season as they are uh, kicking off training camp out here this week, be sure to check it out on the podcast page after the show today. Alex and T-Bone will take you guys on Monday. I'm going to be out. It is my uh, baby boy's final day at home with my wife. It oh, is her final day of maternity leave. He's going to start daycare on Tuesday, so I'm going to take Monday off. I'll be back with you guys, though, 
on Tuesday. Alex, going into the weekend, we did our football pick challenge earlier today. Your three picks, Cowboys, Chargers, and Seahawks uh, with the spread. T-Bone has the Ravens, Notre Dame, and Texas. And I've got the Patriots, Oregon State, and Tennessee Titans. T-Bone's got the Ravens, minus the eight points. Their injury report was just released. Also mm. minus the eight players. <laughs> I mean, it would be easier for me to read to you the players that are available for the Ravens on Sunday than the players that aren't. Yikes, T-Bone. Yikes. It's, it's not going great no, for week three Are here. you regretting that decision? <laughs> no, nah, because, I mean, like, they're going up against Gardner Minshew. Odell Beckham, Justice Hill, Marlon Humphrey, Ronnie Stanley, Tyler Linderbaum, Odafe Owe, and Marcus Williams are all unavailable yeah. for the Ravens going into Sunday's game. And T-Bone has them winning that's, by at least nine that's points. That's two of their best offensive linemen. And the defense of the Colts is going up against the Ravens offense. And two of their best secondary players as well. And their single best um, edge rusher. So, yeah, I'm sure everything's cool. going to be so totally T-Bone, fine. T-Bone, you miss buddy. out on a point. No, no. I I believe I think we should Baltimore coming through this adversity and beating a Anthony Richardson less Colts team. I think we need to start making our picks at 145 on the rewind <laughs> because the injury list is starting to ruin my life sometimes. So here's the question for you guys as we get out of here. We'll hand things over to the fast lane here in just a moment. What do you guys think you're leading with on Monday morning when you come in and you, you you're figuring out what the plan is for the show? What do you think the single biggest story is coming out of the weekend for St. Louis? I got I, I got this. The Missouri Tigers fall to Memphis at the Dome, leading to a God, potential disappointing so year. Blues hockey. You do have blues hockey tomorrow here on 101 ESPN. Damn right, 11 hours of it. I'm starting Excited. at 1 o'clock, and I'm not stopping until 11 o'clock. Grant Francis is going to be on the ones and twos. It's good to have you back on the air, man. Thanks, man. It's appreciated. In that capacity. Thanks. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. I, I do think – Depending on the lineups that they're going to play both nights, which I'm imagining you're going to probably see because they scrimmaged against each other today, groups B and C in both of these games, I uh, I will be curious to see because we might be seeing Bull Duke, Dean, Richie, Radcliffe, all these guys that are competing for spots. You guys aren't leading Monday with Blues. Oh, we're so hockey. leading Blues no, hockey on I'm Monday. I'm producing the show. No we <laughs> are producing the show, Blues hockey, on Monday. No. No. I think you guys will be leading with Missouri, but I think you'll be leading with Missouri getting a win starting the season 4-0 and for the first time since 2013. And then the secondary topic, you guys will get into the greater college football landscape coming off of what is going to be arguably the best college football uh, weekend that we have seen in 15 years. Blues did, hockey. Was it just me or did that feel like a BK? Though I'm not here, here's how the show <laughs> should go. Yeah, send me your thoughts and watch us use them on Monday. I will do... Absolutely none of that. For Alex and T-Bone, I'm BK. We'll see you guys tonight. We're going to be out of Blues and Brews. Looking forward to that. Baby Luke is going to be joining me. Alex will be along for the ride. T-Bone is uh, ditching out. uh, But we'll be having a good time with you guys out there. We'll see you then. The Fast Lane is coming up next. You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.